Academy Sports and Outdoors has you covered with everything you need to have fun out there. Order online at academy.com or on the Academy app and pick up in store or get free shipping on most orders. Shop Academy Sports and Outdoors. Free shipping applies to most orders over $25. Online sign required. Through the 4th of July. This is stuff you can't make up, people. I swear. Come on. Oh, for God's sakes, just... There we go. All right, who else is here? Mr. A.K. Josh, welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you for joining us. And am I missing anybody here? Um, I think I'm caught up. Super Chat is a wonderful way to support this show. We love it. Thank you very much for your love. Dennis Zuniga, welcome to the chat. Uh, Michael Darling, nice to have you back, buddy. And, of course, if you're looking for your SOR swag, head on over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and we're going to rock it there for you. we got a bunch of really cool swag. But let's, uh, let's have some fun tonight, don't you think? It's time. We're allowed to have some fun. We're allowed to kick back. We're allowed to relax. We're allowed to go deep into the woo pool tonight and hang out with Drew Banky. It's going to be a blast, people. It's going to be an absolute blast. We're glad to have him here, and uh, we're going to rock this thing very, very quickly. So do me a favor, everyone, because it is time. Horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Navy the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a wonderful show for you tonight. Drew Banky is here. He's going to take us on a psychedelic journey with aliens. Then in hour three, we're going to bring you a story from the swamp, courtesy of Swamp Dweller. Super Duke is back with the Cryptid Report, and Shirky Poo has the news. You know, we love our veterans around here, and Drew Banky is one of those people that we love and respect, not only for what he does for the community at large that we are participating in these days, but the fact that he is also a veteran of Iraqi Freedom War. And he also holds such distinctions as a Sundancer, Native American Sundancer, and Sacred Pipe Carrier. Also carrying with uh, the South American name of Aguila Cosmica, he is widely considered a master of plant medicine specializing in Huachuma, Ayahuasca, and Changa. 
Drew is a co-founder of Sacred Journeys Within, a nonprofit plant medicine church. He is an author. He is a public speaker. He's got fantastic dreadlocks. And of course, when you got great hair, you definitely get on Spaced Out Radio, Drew Banky, my friend. It's been a couple of days since we had you. Uh, I was actually a guest on your show, and now you're right here on Spaced Out Radio, man. I'll get you to unmute your microphone. Thank you so much for joining us. We re- really do appreciate it, my man. All right. Hey, thanks for having me back, Dave. It's been about a, it's almost been about a, a year to the day, I think. Um, I think I was here back in May of 2021. Um yeah, lots happened since then. Started a new show and yeah, just had you on a few days ago. That was a great conversation and ready to dive into a little bit more on your show, man. Thanks for having me on, brother. Yeah, not a problem, my friend. And I want to say thank you on behalf of all Spaced Out Radio listeners for not only your service, but for everything you do now to help veterans and and their troubles that they have. Many of the veterans come back and, and, you know, the PTSD and, and their minds and their brains just aren't working as well as they should for various reasons. And you do a great job at helping the, uh, many of those veterans refine themselves and refine their place in society and 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 the feeling that we do love them and we do appreciate everything that they do and and what you have done and you deserve a big congratulations for that my friend i i appreciate it man you know um i was just speaking about this uh the other day you know memorial day uh, come up and i was speaking about um uh talking to someone about how how it felt for me, like when, when I found this truth with ayahuasca, like when, when I had my, my first couple ceremonies and really uh, found some really it, great healing right off the bat, I, I knew right away I was I had to, you know, move this forward to other people, especially veterans at first. And now it just engulfed, you know, just all of humanity because I, I just see the see the value in it you know um we actually have a retreat coming up this weekend we got uh, people coming in starting on uh tomorrow actually we had people coming in for this retreat and um i don't know if there's any veterans in this one but yeah we've what this does what i've we've come to find out almost everybody has ptsd everybody has trauma and we have been we don't really know how to deal with it as a as a society like uh you know that's that that's not knocking anyone, but that's just how we've been conditioned over the years to uh, process things in a way that just wasn't really uh, helpful. And, you know, these indigenous ways that, that are coming back and we're, we're reminded of all these ancient truths all the time and through ceremonies and whatever else, you know, the whole gambit of woo, uh, if you will, but it, there's, it's coming back and it, I've come to find there's answers in the woo, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's pretty amazing, man. It's, uh, you know, regardless if it's true, like people ask me, what is it, um, is it the placebo effect or is it the medicine? Is it spirit? And, and, and really, I I don't know what you would call it. All I know is it's doing good. And that, and that's, that's what I can, that's all I can say for sure that it is doing good. It's say these ways are saving lives. The formula that we've come up with at sacred journeys within me and my wife, um, integrating the, the um, equine therapy along with the ceremonies and, you know, just, uh, hikes and, 
talks and just being in nature. Um, the ceremonies is a small part of what we do here, but uh, the formula, the, the whole formula put together is really saving lives. So um, the, the, resu- the results uh, don't lie. I got to ask you, how did you get started on this journey? You know, I mean, was it just something that when you got back from Iraq, you, you had to refine yourself and your, your own purpose that that you decided that you you couldn't find something that worked for you, so you figured you would do it on your own and figure it out? Or was it something that came to you spiritually that said, look, there's a lot of people, a lot of good men and women in my position right now who need help, and I can I can bring that help? How did it come about? Well, both actually, um, you know, it, it, it all come about from my own healing. I got it. I got into this, uh, you know, it, the first time I was on your show, but to recap a little bit, you know, as I did a tour in 2005 in Baghdad, uh, I was at 2005. I come back in uh, January, 2006, uh, January, 2007, I went back to Iraq. I went to Ramadi. So I was in Western Iraq. I was there for 15 months at deployment. So I come back April, 2008 come back with uh lost a lot of guys uh young blood zemer uh butcher the, the names go on and on especially these past couple of days have been ringing in my head you know but um lost a lot of good guys that 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 especially that second deployment come back with a lot of ptsd and um you know went through the whole gambit of uh, over medicating with alcohol and drugs and you know depression suicide attempts and this this went on for years until 2014 culminated in a massive suicide attempt i wound up in the hospital uh woke up uh was sleeping i I don't know if it's in a coma or not but i was sleeping for 28 hours i tried to overdose on on xanax and um you know a disclaimer i I, i'm really raw with what what i talk about so just a disclaimer for the listeners um, I'm very, cause I think it's important to just, just to be, you know, to, to share my story to the fullest so please, people can get do. a full idea to get a full idea of what I've been, you know, what I'm dealing with. So I took over 200 Xanax and tried to kill myself. And in 2014, um, I found out I had PTSD. I didn't know I had PTSD. I, I didn't really, um, I really didn't believe in it. And, but, um, you know, spending time in the mental hospital after my attempt, I, I, I really, I got di- diagnosed and um, really started to figure out like where, where this came from, you know, and really started to unpack the war. It, and, the, you know, I went from what, 2008 to 2014, what, six years or so, six or seven years of just holding the war within, you know, and it was, it was raging out through me in different ways. And, um, so I started to go through the VA uh, healthcare process. Um, I eventually got on five different medications. Uh, all of them were counteracting each other. One was to keep me uh, calm during the day. The other one was to put me asleep at night. And the other one was to wake me up in the morning. You know, it's just, it's just, I was chemically dependent on, on the VA basically for a couple until 2016. And I, I felt, I felt the suicide uh, bear or you know demon bearing down on me again and I knew it was just only a matter of time Not, I knew it wasn't working what I was doing with the VA and I asked 
I guess in a way I wasn't very spiritual or anything. I knew, I, I knew there was a higher something, a higher source or something like that, but I, I, I wasn't spiritual. I wasn't religious, but I knew there was just a higher power. That's, I, I guess you would call it that. That was my belief. Um, going into, you know, ayahuasca, I, I just asked for some type of relief and the word ayahuasca come to me that in looking back on now, this is what they call is the seed of ayahuasca that when it starts growing in your consciousness is the first time you hear it. And eventually it'll grow into a ceremony um, if it's meant to be. Well, within a couple months, I found a ceremony within the States. Uh, I went through finding, uh, learning about ayahuasca, finding out where it was. It was in uh, South America. Uh, my financial situation wouldn't allow me to do that. And so I kind of gave up on it in the background. Um, over the next couple of weeks, my wife was doing a lot of research, trying to find a place in the United States. She ended up finding a place in Florida that just got started and um, booked our first ceremony. And we were there a couple of weeks later. Uh, we lived in Florida at the time. And uh, so we were only a couple hours away. And so we went and did our first ceremony. Um, I went in looking. I was at the end of my rope, basically. And not knowing that there was a spiritual side, but not knowing how, how far it was going <laughs> to <laughs> had no idea how far it was going to go, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just knew there, it was going to be a change. Um, no, I had no idea how much, how much it was going to change me, but, uh, the first ceremony is really hard. Didn't see anything, uh, stayed for the second ceremony and the second ceremony, you know, I had, uh, my ego death. I had a lifetime reviews of, uh, you know, all these different spaces at, at, at that time, I, I had looked at them as uh, past lives. Now I, now I see them as in a different way, uh, more dimensional fields, uh, vibrational fields. But that time I, I perceived, uh, I was, I was going through a lifetime review about thousands of lifetimes. It's kind of like a little Rolodex of pictures going past me in this vision. And, uh, I met, met, uh, ayahuasca and it was a, a pretty short, visionary time in ayahuasca but it was enough to really uh show me by no 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 like uncertain terms that there was a spirit world i come out of that second ceremony knowing that no one could ever change my my you know my thoughts on on knowing that there was a spirit world and it was possible to actually visit it and i i saw that my second ceremony my third ceremony, um, you know, I, I come out of that that second ceremony like wanting to go have another one, but I had to wait like a whole nother week. I, I scheduled the next weekend. I was like, I have to go back. You know, I have to go back again. I, there's more questions. You know, I was, I had a, I had a million questions at that point. You know, I went back the next weekend, and um, you know, they're talking to me about what 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 do you want to find out? Like the 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 medicine people and the, the people that was running the facility at, at soul quest church of mother ayahuasca in Orlando. It's still operational. It's big time. It's they're doing a lot of people now almost every weekend. They're doing about 80 people a weekend. It's a, uh, and they're really, they're really creating waves in the consciousness, but that time they are just getting started. And, um, they was asking me on my intentions on that third ceremony. And I was like, man, I don't know what question to ask. And I, I asked, I asked for, 
I was like, I have so many, I have so many questions. I don't know which one to ask. And they're like, well, which one's the most important to you? And I was like, well, I really like to know my reason for being here. You know, I guess I think everyone wants to really know that answer. So I went into that, that uh, third ceremony with that intention in mind. And I was showed all this. I showed, I was showed, I was going to write books. I was really, I had this vision where this energy was coming through, uh, going coming from the sky going into my crown chakra going through my whole energetic self my whole chakra system and then coming back up to uh my heart and then my throat chakra and i was going to translate that vibration into words and try to make a connection between the on scene and the scene and maybe the circuit between the two and that's what I'm doing now. Like I, and I'm trying to uh, try to do it more, um, trying to do it more eloquently each time I, each time I tell these stories and share my heart. But um, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And, you know, lots of ceremonies later, it just keeps unfolding, but that's, that's how it started, brother. How did it help you with your own PTSD, with your own nightmares and, and, you know, everything that you went through your depression anxiety, everything. How did it, this whole phenomena calm you down and let you feel like a person again, make you feel like you were human and and valued? Well, it showed me everything in my life. I I had a victim and I had a a severe victim mentality that, that really caused my depression. That's what the medicine show was showing me. It was showing me that I was not, I was not accepting things that happened in my life as part of the process, but it it showed me in no uncertain terms that every single millisecond of my life led up to me finding ayahuasca, finding the spirits, finding my purpose. And then eventually that, you know, it it showed me once I released um, all these false views of myself or my past, then I could start, living a much fuller life. So it just, it just, in a nutshell, it just basically showed me that everything in my life meant every millisecond of my life meant something. And it, it led up to, it led to the next, led to the next without one, without one of the occurrences, the whole, the, the whole uh, plan could be shifted and I could have never experienced ayahuasca. Like I could have never, and, you know, then I would never wrote the book, you know, and I, I've, you know, the, especially my first book, uh, I'm perfect. And so are you, it's, I've, I get emails from people all the time saying, you know, how, how it's changed their lives and it's shifted their perceptive. And the second book to find your inner guru is like trying to answer the question, what to do after, um, after the Ascension, you know, how, what's your life look like? And th- these are channelings, like these are, these are channelings from higher sources from that, that come through me as in not so much instruction, but how, you know, maybe guides to help, to help people uh, find them, find their true power. And it's all from, it's all from the ayahuasca, you know, it's all from ultimately it's all from me. The, the ayahuasca, the ayahuasca just helped me um, see the truth in my existence, you know, and, and find value in myself again and fall in love with myself, which, and then i and that exudes out. When you say it helped you find your existence again, 
did you feel like you were just a zombie walking on this planet because of everything that you experienced? And, and I, you know, you don't need to go into detail about what you experienced any there, anything there. I think the majority of us who've never, ever been in a combat situation could, you know, not even come close to imagining what it's like experiencing the real thing. But for, for you going into your own personal healing, what did you learn about yourself to get out of that zombie state and to feel human again? What changed? Well, to be honest with you, Dave, and I don't think I've ever told anybody this, anybody ever, anybody. I, I really feel, um, it, it's hard looking back now remembering, but I, I almost felt like for a long time that I was supposed to die in Iraq. And I didn't. And when I come back, I thought I thought I was living, you know, a mistake. I I, th- I thought that there was a mistake. Like, I thought the universe was was set. I, I thought I wasn't supposed to return. You know, I I went I went through a, a divorce in Iraq, which was really hard. I come back home to a divorce and uh, you know visitations with my kids and uh, my first two my my older kids and. Um, that was really hard. And you know, that, that was a a big part of the depression too. Like just that whole change, like if if, over 15 months, so much happened, like I, I lost uh, over 20 of my, uh, over 20 of my buddies um, in that, in that time, a lot of funerals and the divorce and, you know, just really, I thought, in my mind, I guess I, I had wrote this story that I wasn't supposed to come back from Iraq. The ayahuasca showed me that everything happens for a reason. Like, and um, it every step was meant was was of a of a divine order. It really, and that's that's really what the the message, the overall message. Academy Sports and Outdoors has you covered with everything you need to have fun out there. Order online at academy.com or on the Academy app and pick up in store or get free shipping on most orders. Shop Academy Sports and Outdoors. Free shipping applies to most orders over $25. Online sign required. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. The message of the first book is I'm perfect and so are you. It's not an egotistical thing. It's it's more saying that everything is divine and every moment is divine. Even even nuclear weapons, every everything that's in existence is of divine order. And every millisecond is of divine order. That's, that's the biggest freedom and lesson that the medicine has showed me. And it's, it's showed me this through ceremonies. I've also had near death experiences and all kinds of other stuff, but it it all ties together, you know, like it's all divine order at, at, at the end. And that's, that's basically what it showed me. But with two minutes to go here, Drew Banky is our guest. Can you look in a mirror now, Drew and, and say, that you love yourself, that you are healed enough to, to say that I love who I am. I love my life. I love my wife. I love my children. I love what I do. I mean, because anybody who goes through depression and anxiety and, and I suffer from it, it was the hardest lesson for me to learn, which was to be able to look in that mirror again and look myself in the eyes and, and tell myself that I love me. 
for you? Are are you at that point? Have you been at that point for a while? I yeah, man. I think I'm really past it. You know, I've uh, I'm really the the understanding of source and oneness and the consciousness field. I just <laughs> I'm beyond grateful now, man. Like for every breath, it's uh, I feel like the times we're living in. And this is not cliche, you know, I hear a lot of people saying this, but really I feel like the time, I feel so grateful to be alive right now. Like I really do. Like I, I really feel like we're going through an amazing biblical, spiritual, like prophetic time. And I feel beyond grateful to be a part of it. Um, maybe, maybe a tip of the spear of it and just and and really my understanding of it i i just i feel so much gratitude and and on the other flip side of it like my my family like i i'm in abundance of love man like i i couldn't be happier in my relationship with my wife my 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 son like everything everything about it man you know and every day's just I'm excited to wake up every day. And that's, that, that's something I, I lived a long part of my life that not experiencing. So that is awesome, buddy. And you know, you deserve a giant congratulations for that because you are, are somebody who is victorious in everything that you are doing and you should be damn proud of yourself. I know this community highly recognizes you as, as one of the good guys we do around here. And we want to make sure that all of the spaced out radio listeners tonight learn about Drew Banky and how awesome you are and a good friend and a loyal friend that you are. Drew Banky is here tonight from sacred journeys. When we come back, we're going to learn about his near death experience. We're going to get into ayahuasca We're not going to do it, but we're going to talk about it next on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear, dude. Cool. Um, I I do want to talk about uh, ETs uh, that I experienced in ceremony. Oh, we'll get into that in hour two. Oh, we got got lots of time for the aliens. I got some good ones, man. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's what we want. We want that alien woo, buddy. We need some of that <laughs> alien woo. Yeah, I got some good ones, man. I wish uh, I, I wish I could. Uh, there's a person in Florida that experienced. Uh, and I saved the I saved the main part of the story for it, but yeah, we were just in the ceremony, and she's and uh, I was like, you know, this is a time where you could like ask the spirits of the ceremony for anything you want, like if you whatever you need to like. You know, this is like a wish time. So you just put in a wish. And this one she, this one person from Florida, she was like, you know, you've talked so much about your alien experiences. I've never seen a ship. She's like, I just really want to see a ship. Like 30 seconds later, this <laughs> unmistakable ship goes flying past us. Like we're, we're out in the, at night, like hiking at night, like under a full moon, you know. And uh, in ceremony, it was just awesome. Nice. It, it, rock, it rocked her world, man. Very nice. Rocked her world. Very nice. I love when stuff like that happens. Love it. Yeah. It's... No, that's great. That is absolutely great. I mean, that's got to feel pretty damn good, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've uh, I've had so many experiences 
uh, with with Wachuma ceremonies, like hiking with Wachuma. It's a it's a magical. Actually, so the San Pedro Wachuma, when you lay it down and cut it, this is what it looks like. So it looks like a star. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, bring it up just a little bit. Here, let me zoom in on it here. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very nice. So so that the Wachuma cactus, you've probably seen them before. They're tall, like uh, they're San Pedro. So that's another name for them. But uh, Wachuma is the original name for them. San Pedro is like a younger name. But when you lay it down and cut it, it looks like a star. And the same with peyote. If you lay peyote down and cut it, uh, like a take, take a slice in half, it looks like a star. So it, the medicines, the elders always say that the medicine tells you what it will show you what it's going to show you. That's awesome, brother. That is awesome. Terry Brown, thank you so much for the super chat. Dutch Hank, thank you so much for the super chat as well. Uh, let's quickly say hello to um, who's who's jumped in here uh, in the past few minutes here. Let, let's see here. Tokeland, welcome back. The gorgeous cryptid huntress. Oh, hey, Clam. Oh, hey. And, yeah, that's it so far. We're sitting at 130 live so far. That number will go up. Hiya, Gilbert. Gilbert, how you doing, buddy? Oob to Joe's Bane. You have Lola. And let's see. Uh, let's go here. All right, we got about a minute and 20 seconds, Drew. A minute. 20. Right on. Yeah. Gonna try and uh, figure something out here. See if I can do this without screwing up the show. And let's try this. Paste. There we go. Save. Is that going to work? Son of a gun, it worked. I was able to change it all. Uh, so it shouldn't... I, for, I, for people wondering what I'm doing, I, I accidentally, before the show, forgot to put in Drew's information on YouTube, so it still had Lon Strickler from last night, but I was able to change them up. So that way it's not going to look like uh, someone else. Hey, the beautiful and talented Sinead Wellahan in the chat room tonight. Everybody give her a wave. She always waves back. Always. Jim Chambers, welcome dear, back. Dear friend of mine right there, Sinead. Yeah, she's awesome. She's a yeah, good friend I... of this show. Kevin K- Klingsmore, uh, or Kingsmore, welcome back to SOR Chat. And here we go, everyone. Let's do this thing in three seconds. Uh, 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 uh. 
Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Eagles Nest podcast host, author, researcher, veteran, Drew Banky is here. And Drew is someone who is very well known in our realm of work, of work dealing with aliens, near-death experiences, spirituality, consciousness, through the use of ayahuasca and other psychedelics as he tries to improve the zen and the chi of every human being that he comes around. And he's a hell of a guy. He really is. And we're going to talk a little bit more about all of this tonight with Drew. Welcome back, my friend. Thank for having me, Dave. I appreciate you so much, man. You're you're one of the good ones as well. It's uh, thank you. You know, just uh, I, I look at you as a, you know, I've been on a lot of shows and I got a lot of acquaintances in this in this community, and I got some friends, and I really consider you one of my good friends, brother. I really do. Well, put it this way: it's the feeling is mutual. The feeling is very mutual, and uh, you know what? That's how you build things together, man is by coming together as a community and and learning from one another. So that's that's what we do, and that's what we love, and we're glad you're a part of it. I want to ask you, because even the last time I had you on, I've only had you on once before, but we you had a near-death experience that apparently from people who I've talked to were blown away about learning about this. What happened? So... <clears throat> In 2019, I was uh, doing my third year of the Sundance ceremony, and the Sundance ceremony is a, a, a old Native ceremony. Um, it's done where you fast for four days from food and water, so you're not ingesting anything except for air and sunlight for those those four days, and you're dancing from sun up to sundown. And you're also doing a sweat lodge in the morning and a sweat lodge in the evening. So you're doing a total of eight sweat lodges, four, four days of fasting from food and water, dancing from sun up to sundown. And um, it's, it's a really, really intense prayer ceremony. Um, it's something that's not done by very many people. It's, it's normally done by people like uh, that's on a deep spiritual path or uh, medicine people, things like that. People that's, that has callings to to do this work, it's, it's really, um, it, it takes a lot of dedication to do it. it takes a lot of preparation to, to do it, like, uh, getting your body ready. So, um, the first, and another, another big part of the ceremony is, uh, is a, a piercing. So you, you, there's a piercing that, um, you get wood, wood pegs put into your chest and you get ropes attached to those pegs. And then a rope is attached to a, a tree so everybody that is participating in the ceremony, at, at some point they they will attach to a to a rope that's attached to a one tree that's in the middle of this this circular arbor um, area. So, um, and the main part of it is is you 
you breaking you're pulling away from the tree and breaking your skin so the what the dancer each dancer has to do they have to dance their way back and eventually work up the gumption to separate from the tree and that's um in that in that prayer it's it's a it's a trust it's a deep uh it's a deep prayer and trust doing that and it's also um symbolically separating yourself from the tethers of the physical world so that's uh that's kind of it's kind of a big secret and not not a big secret but it's really that's a main part of the of the sundance ceremony so i participated in an um, this in 2017, um, 2018, I, I participated again in the, my, my second year I pulled Buffalo skulls. So I had four Buffalo skulls. I was dragging around in a circle. Um, that was really intense. Uh, I had a lot of almost died there, uh, during that ceremony, definitely, uh, passed out twice during, while I was pulling the Buffalo skulls, had out of body experiences, come back into body, uh, pull, um, at one point, uh, I, I was told people say I was running with the skulls. I don't remember the, the doing all that, but, um, so a lot of really intense, uh, things happen in that my third year I went and so part, this could be a whole show talking about the Sundance really today, but, um, to dance the way you dance each year the way you pray um, is really done is given to you in a dream before months before the the actual ceremony itself. The ceremony usually happens in June, July, like in summertime months. And there's, these are done in a lot of different tribes. Um, and they're, they're held all through, all through the West, like uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, uh, in Canada, there's, it's, there's Sundance is held all over the place. This one I was at was happened to be in um, the UP up in uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan. So close to Canada. Um, so the this year I had a I had a message to honor the eagle, and it's, it's called an eagle dance where you would be piercing on the first day, and you'd be hooked to the tree all four day uh, the whole time and at the end you would break which normally you would dance without being hooked up to a rope you maybe had to piercings in but not hooked up to a tree and you would only hook up for one round which may be like two to three hours and then you would break at the end of that round and then you would dance the rest of the four days you know so you'd only maybe who'd be hooked to the tree maybe three maybe four five hours at the most um, if you dance normally, but if you Eagle dance, you would hook to the tree and you would actually sleep under the tree while hooked with the ropes. So you would, at, when the sun goes down, you just lay down in the dirt, like, and with the rope still attached to the tree. And, um, so I listened to, I listened to the spirits. I listened to my dreams and I, I, I hooked, um, I started the Eagle dance. The first day was really strong. And, um, I felt like um, I felt like I was I, I could have went more, you know. I could have I felt like I maybe go maybe four or five days, like six days, you know. Uh, at, at the end of that first day, I slept under the tree that night. I got tore up by mosquitoes. It was middle of summer, you know, in Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Just just totally ate up by mosquitoes. 
um, stared at the stared at the stars all night. Didn't really didn't get much sleep. Uh, then I felt felt strong. Uh, the only time you can disconnect is you you can go use the restroom. Um, so you can take uh, the ropes off your piercings. The piercings stay in. You just take the ropes off, and uh, and then you go use the restroom. But uh, you can also take the ropes off to go to the sweat lodge. So in the morning, I got up. Um, I, I woke up in the middle of the arbor. There was two other guys that were uh, eagle dancing out there with me, sleeping under the tree all night. And um, we were getting up, getting ready to go to the sweat lodge. I took my ropes off, went into the sweat lodge really strong. I was singing in the sweat lodge. Next thing I know, I they were dragging me out the door. I'd, I had passed out in the sweat lodge and they were dragging me out the door. I'd hit, I'd hit a wall. Like, I guess, um, I don't know. just that last bit of energy was taken out of me out in the sweat lodge. And I went, um, I, the chiefs uh, pulled me to the side, asked me to, uh, sit over by the drum and the, the, the drum group, there's like, a maybe a, a dozen people around this big drum, you know, that they sing songs during, uh, during the dance itself. The chiefs asked me to go sit over there and take a break, uh, that first round, see if I could get my strength back. Uh, at the end of that round, you know, I sat there and watched them dance and I was just in and out of it really weak, uh, barely awake. And they come over and checked on me after that, after the first round and they looked at my eyes and my eyes were, uh, both my eyes were going independently of each other. Um, I was seeing dimensional fields. I was seeing through people. I was seeing their their bone structures in their face. I was seeing uh, blood blood vessels. I was seeing just through their body. I was seeing through people's bodies. And uh, they asked me um, if I thought I could dance anymore. And I was like, you know, I really don't think I can. And I, I, I'm at the edge of like, you know, being here. You know, I, I really, I really felt kind of scared at, to be honest with you. And they was like, well, we think the same. We don't think you can go on, but we think that maybe you should uh, go, go up to the house and uh, go set with grandpa. Like, you know, our, our, our grandpa, the, the elder, like the, the old, the owner of the property, we're doing the ceremony in the UP, go set with him, get some, get some fruit, maybe get some rest. You know, there's no, there's no shame in, you know, uh, you know, just saving your life. They, they're like, we don't think, you know, if you go out there and dance, we don't think you're going to make it through the rest of the day alive, basically. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm done. I, 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 I tap out, you know, but I had the piercing still in my chest and the piercings were two elk bones. So it was, it was one elk, um, one elk bone leg that I had carved two pegs out of. And, uh, this is the, the original, I, I come to find out later, I did this all through intuition. Um, this is a little side note in this story. I did that all through intuition, come to find out, um, crazy horse and, um, sitting bull. They, they dance with elk bone pegs. And this is, this is like a traditional way to do it, but I did it through intuition. I, you know, I just, something told me to do it and I was doing it that way. And, um, that's a little side note on that, but very cool. So I'm, so I'm sitting here, I asked the chiefs, I'm like, you know, what am I going to do with these? You know, they're, they're, I got to get them out somehow. They're like, well, we can just cut them. The skin on the outside's dead. It's, you, you probably won't even feel it. And they'll just fall out. 
and I'm sitting there and like this, it, this message come to me and says, no, that's not, that's not how they're supposed to come out. And I said, well, and I was telling the chiefs, I'm getting these messages, you know, from the other side and, and they, they've been doing this, you know, 20, 30 years. They know, they understand that there's, there's lots of times there's stuff talking from the other side and, but the spirits are telling me, you know, uh, they're supposed to be pulled out. And I, I, I said, what's the options I haven't pulled out? And they're like, well, we can tie ropes around them and we're yanking. It's time to make the connection with California Psychics. If it's not the best psychic reading you've ever had, it's free. Visit CaliforniaPsychics.com or download the app and set up an account today. Readings start at only $1 per minute for new customers. So many of us move through our lives and days unaware of the path that is guiding us. And sometimes you need somebody to help you see beyond the obvious. If you want to know your future, talk to California Psychics. We thoroughly test our psychics to make sure they have real gifts. Get started today. Visit CaliforniaPsychics.com or download the app. It's time to make the connection with California Psychics. If it's not the best psychic reading you've ever had, it's free. Visit CaliforniaPsychics.com or download the app and set up an account today. Readings start at only $1 per minute for new customers. So many of us move through our lives and days unaware of the path that is guiding us. And sometimes you need somebody to help you see beyond the obvious. If you want to know your future, talk to California Psychics. We thoroughly test our psychics to make sure they have real gifts. Get started today. Visit CaliforniaPsychics.com or download the app out and i was like okay well can we do it under the tree and they're like yeah well, let's 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 walk out to the tree so they hooked up two small ropes to them and both the chiefs each had one and they you know wrapped it around their hand a couple times and they're set they're like okay look at the tree and like try to you know pray um ask ask for um ask for compassion ask for the pain to be not much you know or whatever Ask for us to be over quick. So I'm sitting there praying and they're like, uh, nothing's happening, you know? And I, I'm just hearing like the leaves of this uh, cottonwood, like blow in the wind. Just, I, I, I can distinctly hear the crickle of this, like, like the, the leaves, like crinkling in the wind. I'm just looking up there. Nothing's happening. And finally, I, I like, I like look at them. I'm like, man, are you guys going to do this or not? And they're like, well, yeah, we're waiting on you to tell us when. I'm like, look, if you're waiting on me to tell you when to rip these things out of my chest, like it's, I'm not gonna, it's not gonna come out of my mouth, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to verbalize that. And uh, I'm like, I might have to look up here, and you guys are gonna have to do it without me knowing. And they're like, oh, all right, all right. So I look up there, I look back at the leaves again. They're rustling, and I hear them. Man, I hear them count like real low, but I can hear them, you know. Like three, two, and I'm just like, oh shit, like one. And man, it the most intense pain I've ever felt in my life. Like just just surged started from my two points of my chest and just surged through my whole body. I got jerked forward about six feet. I didn't break. Um, I ripped and I was pouring blood out of two holes in my chest, and I'm on I'm on uh, all fours. My, I'm just shaking. There's just blood pouring all over me, you know, pouring all all in the ground, all down my arms. It's it's so hot, and I'm I'm hyperventilating. You know, the pain is just still pulsating through my body, and I look down, and the pegs are still in there. And how hard they pulled me, I there's no reason I shouldn't have bust. You know, like I should have busted. You know, it's uh it's very. It it doesn't it doesn't make sense that I didn't bust. This sounds horrible, dude. 
This sounds it was. It was. I was screaming at the top of my lungs and hyperventilating. And they're like, the chiefs are like, go to the tree, go to the tree, hug the tree, pray the tree. And um, I'm like two crawls from it, you know. So I crawl and these ropes are like still hanging down and they're like dragging on the ground. And everyone's like backing away. People are running out there in the middle. And um, because I'm just I'm. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, just blood curdling. It's so painful. So I grab the tree. And as soon as I grab the tree, I start to find like the pain goes away. I feel the pain go through my body and go into the tree and go up into the sky, like out the top of the tree. And but I'm still hyperventilating and I'm, I'm panicking because like everything about my being says I'm dying. Like everything about me says I'm dying right now. And I start to, I start to fall off the side of the tree. And the last thing I I see is the trees like right here. And I got my right hand is holding and I'm sliding off and I lose my grip and I fall off to the side and I see my hand separate from the tree. And that's the last thing I see. Next thing I hear, or next thing I remember hearing is he doesn't have a pulse. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I'm sitting there. I feel I'm in my body. You know, I'm like, I hear him say he doesn't have a pulse. He's called 911. Get, get the, get the EMTs out here. Get this out here, that out here. Like I hear more and more people coming around my body. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I got to set up. They they think I'm dead. Like I got to set up and let them know that I'm not dead. I set up and I set literally set out of my body. Like and that's when I separated. It's it's very true what it feels like. It feels like an elastic pull when you set out, out of your body because I felt like someone was holding me down. I, I set up real hard and I like look back and I was like out of my body. My consciousness was. And um, I sat there for just a moment and I was at total peace. I didn't, um, I wasn't upset about it. I wasn't. It, there, there was no pain. There was no sadness. I was just like, okay, they're going to deal with me being dead and I'm going to go where I'm, wherever I'm being pulled to. So I felt like my being, my consciousness being pulled away from my body. And then I, I identified as Drew for a moment again, like I guess for the last time. And I, I went through a life review, I guess. And I, I saw like, how my wife was going to take me being dead, how my kids were going to take me being dead. And, but I also saw, and simultaneously I got to see what it would be like if I come back into my body and what, so both ways I got to see simultaneously and I got to choose which one felt best. And I just saw so much heartache was going to happen, like from me passing away. I saw not only like in my, what my family, I saw what it was going to do to that ceremony, me passing in the ceremony. Um, The people that's around that witnessed that everybody, you know, just, I saw just everything at once. And I made kind of a deal. I was like, well, if I go back in the body, I want to remember all this. I want to take all this back. Like I want to be able to explain what the death process is and you know as and 
the the other side, the universe source or whatever it was kind of chuckle. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of what you're supposed to, this is what this whole design was about. Like go back in your body, like take this back. Like you ain't, you ain't, you weren't supposed to die here anyway. You know, you're supposed to have this experience. And I was like, sweet. I'm like, so I'm going to get to retain all this. They're like, yeah, you ain't. Cause there is no start or stop. Like, just take that back, you know, and and try to help people get rid of this fear of death. It's it's really gonna hold. It's hold, holding a lot of people back. And and I was like, any last things? Like before I go back, and they're like, yeah, you won't never Sundance again. Like your Sundance is over. Like you you have got you have you have learned all the lessons that you can from this ceremony. You won't you don't have you don't have to suffer anymore. You're gonna start to have a really abundant life, really magical life from here on out. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to Sundance again. They're like, no, the Sundance won't happen again. This, this ceremony won't happen again. Not on these, not on this ground. And, um, we just, um, flashing forward, uh, COVID happened the following year. We didn't Sundance. We didn't Sundance the following year. And we just, um, we just got word that we won't be Sundancing this year at, uh, again, we haven't Sundance since 2019. Um, you know, call that a prophetic message or whatever it is, but I brought a message back and it's a lot of people didn't believe it uh, would happen like that. Uh, for a Sundance not to happen, something may, something very serious, you know, it's, it's, it's a very dedicated ceremony for, so for it not to happen, it's very rare for one not to stop, you know. That is incredible. And when you were coming back into your body and back into your own reality, what did that feel like for you? Perfect question. Um, it feels, it felt like um, I dropped my car off and to get a tune up and uh, the tech gave me my, my car back. That's kind of, that's the best way to describe it, man. And the, the biggest thing that was blew my mind from the experience is I, this voice. So if I cover up the camera and you don't see drew, but you can still hear drew's voice. You could, this consciousness that's talking to you right now, that never shut off. Not for one blink of a second, man. Like, and that's, that's what really tripped me out. It, it never stopped. Like, you kind of expect when you die, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this tunnel. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to, you know, I might uh, be a reincarnation. I might have this downtime in between lives. For my understanding, it don't happen like that. It never stops. Like it, the voice, this consciousness, the drew, what drew's heart is and everything about him um, is never stops, man. Like, and I think that's true for each and every one of us. Who do you think you were talking to on the other side? Was it the elders? Myself. Myself. Really? I think there's only one consciousness. I think there I think we're all sharing one consciousness. And it's uh just a, another particle of myself, you know? And I think I think that's what we need to get to. We need to stop deity uh deity deifying people deifying objects or, and, and looking outside ourselves for answers. The answers are inside each and every one of us. Like all that we have to do is close our eyes, silence ourselves, control our breath. And we can find 
an amazing power inside ourselves. Like, and I think that's, I think that's where we're at. We, we need to stop putting labels on all this stuff because ultimately it's us. Drew Banke is here tonight on Spaced Out Radio. we got about 25 seconds left before we have to go to break, Drew. And I'll tell you, I love you for sharing that story. That's a very powerful story. Uh, you know, the fact that you were able to kind of control it from the beginning to end is is unbelievable because for those of us who haven't had that experience, I can tell you point blank, man, there is one experience I do not want to have, and that's an NDE. I'll go through anything. I really will. But an NDE? No way. No way. But when we come back on Space Out Radio with our guest tonight, Drew Banky, we're going to talk some aliens. Can we connect with aliens through psychedelics? We're going to get our ET on when we come back on Spaced Out Radio for the second hour tonight. It's next, right here, the Mighty SOR. All right, brother, we're clear. Cool. I'm just going to run my dogs outside quickly. I'll be right back, okay? Right on. Dirty filth, you're looking great up there. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. People are asking what you're drawing, though. Um, people are asking what I'm drawing. Well, it's Dave Scott and Science Bob, and they're interacting with a type of alien at this point in time. Nice. That's all I can give you. And Dave may or may not have licked said alien. Well, I hope everybody's having a great time tonight. Usually, you know, anyways, with the drawings, usually I just do the backgrounds first and everything. I just work the way forward like a regular painter, but sometimes you got to build the characters first. And Dave, if you're, I guess this is all getting recorded. I don't see my, I don't, I can't see the like YouTube chat room. So I don't know if people are talking or not. So I got to turn around on my jury rig thing there and look at my other computer. And yeah, so. The 
looks like a pile of color and nothing. But trust me, when it's all done, it'll look good. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. Spilled the jug of water, and that would have been catastrophic. David had about like eight minutes worth of swearing to edit out of his out of his show at that point in time. Break time, so I'm switching the water. All right, brother, I'm back. We got about ninety seconds. All right, who's here? Right on. Uh, Logan L., nice to see you. Lovely LaVera, secret agent I'm, man. Yes, welcome to SOR chat. Dave, I do want to say LaVera tried to sneak in. I seen her try to sneak in the chat room. I see that. And she, she didn't think you were going to see. I just got to oh, bust I, her out I noticed. Right I noticed. <laughs> I see all. Damien K., welcome back. Uh, let's see who else has joined us here. Mm, downshift, welcome. I think that's it. I think that's it. Oh, Lisa Compton has returned. Lovely Lisa Compton. 
Human Carl's awesome. Donald Dean, welcome back. We got a few veterans in here tonight. Jason Pearl, Robert Lamoth, welcome guys. <clears throat> Jason William. Black Dragon's a veteran. Human Carl's a veteran. If you're a veteran in our chat room tonight, let us know, because we love our veterans around here. Desert Clam, the Jeff Gear, is a veteran. Uh, thank you to Vaughn, Terry, and Dutch Hank for the amazing super chats. We really appreciate the love and support of Spaced Out Radio. It's a great way to do it. And do some shopping at our Spaced Out Radio store on our website. Here we go with Hour 2. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears as we love being broadcast right around this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Malism. Malism is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with our good friend Drew Banky. And he is here, right, like right before the break, if you didn't hear it. Man, did he tell a beautiful, beautiful story about his near-death experience. But now, we are going to get into it. We're going to get into some aliens. We're going to get into some psychedelics. Drew, welcome back. Good to be back, Dave. All Ready right. to get started in the second half. All right, man. Uh, I know you're big into ayahuasca, you're big into psychedelics in order to try and enhance communication, enhance everything that is is growing in this world, trying to get that, that oneness with the planet and the consciousness level and the phenomena as well. And take me through your first ET experience that you had. Whew, my first ET experience... My first one, um, my first ship that I, I, I knew for sure was a ship right after moving to Crestone. Um, disclaimer, uh, none, I had no, no known ET experiences before ayahuasca. Uh, ayahuasca really seemed to change my vibrational field and allow me to experience just different realities, uh, basically. So my first real ship that i know was a ship was uh when we first moved to crestone we were only living in crestone a few days uh we moved from denver uh to crestone colorado if anyone knows anything it's in the san luis valley um 
Stephen Greer used to have uh, headquarters there. He used to do a lot of C5 events. There's still a lot of C5 events that's done uh, in Crestone area. There's a meteor uh, crash uh, impact site that's a few thousand years old that's um, right by Crestone. It's a very, very active area. So naturally, <laughs> I was drawn there, called there through dreams and such, uh, both me and my wife, really. And uh, yeah, f- first night. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Have a look around your home. Does your home feel you or does it feel you 10 years ago? Maybe it's time to update your home with a fresh coat of Bear Premium Plus interior paint. Today, make your home feel more you. Bear, the most trusted brand. Ranked most trusted paint brand based on the 2022 Life Story Research Study. There, well, not the first night, but within a, a week, we were sitting in our living room and um, my wife was looking out the window and she saw something off at a distance and it was... Um, it, it kind of resembled like maybe a, a space shuttle launch. I, the best way I could describe it. It's, it was an object that was going through the night sky and behind it was a color trail that spread out just to, in as far as you could see up and down and behind it, it was just the whole sky behind it was just this array of colors and it was moving at, a very fast speed and it, it, as it as it went it just it just lit up the whole sky in just this color it was one of those times where like i expected the next day like to see a bunch of news stories about it and stuff i didn't see anything about it next day me and my wife both saw it um and then you know that's that kind of triggered me getting interested in ufos kind of and really I guess putting out in the universe, I wanted to see ships. And the the next time I saw a ship, uh, had a, had one visit my house. Um, I think I, I spoke about it while you were on my show, uh, a little bit, uh, the other night, but I was setting, we were setting in the living room. Uh, this, a couple months after we saw the first ship I just said, and we're set both setting in the living room on the same couch, facing the same big picture window. Um, I think we're facing the south. Yeah, facing the south. The This window is facing the south. Uh, middle of the night, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Um, I was watching a program on Gaia then. Um, the, the, the Spotting spotting the ships, spotting my first ship got me to find Gaia. And then I just started, um, you know, just looking at stuff that correlated with things I was going through and trying to look for answers, you know, and, um, you know, kind of find out like, uh, some, a lot of the stuff I was going through, there was a lot of other people going through the same thing. It was, it was common, you know, guy is a, a great resource for that. You know, Gaia TV is a great resource for that uh, along with your show and, uh, and many others, you know, my show and, you know, the other ones that are really touch on the fringe, um, you know, just a side note, it's a, uh, it really helps people expand, you know, and helps people process. And I really found that out through my process. But anyways, I was w- watching Gaia and the whole house like lit up my whole living room, uh, dining room, kitchen, 
like everything that I could see in my house just lit up like there was a spotlight outside my patio door. And I, I looked and to see like, because we live close to a corner uh, in the subdivision, Crestone, and, uh, up in the trees, up in the, in the hills, uh, in the mountains a little bit. But uh, so we live close to a corner. So I thought maybe it was a car that was maybe turning and the light hit just right. But I, I looked at the light and the, the angle of the light was coming from above the house. So it was, wasn't coming from ground level. The light was coming from kind of maybe directly above the house from the, the angle of the light. But it was just engulfing the whole house. And it only lasted maybe a second or two. And I'm like, you know, trying to catch my breath. I look at my wife. I'm like, man, did you see that? And she's like, see what? And I was just dumbfounded, you know, I was just like, there's no way that she could, it, it just, it, it, it blinded me. It was so bright. It lit up the whole house. Like there's a spotlight. She didn't see it. I was like, okay. Uh, I'm trying to process what just happened. And, and she's, and I'm telling her, I'm describing what I saw. She's like, oh, you should go, you should go out on the patio and look my legs weren't working. <laughs> I was like, I was in total fear mode. I was like, I wish I could, but I was like, no, I, I was just setting, I was really, my mind was twisted and I, I just couldn't bring myself to go outside and went to sleep, um, about a half hour later or so. And immediately went into a dream where I'm sitting there and I'm not recognizing where I'm at in the dream, but all of a sudden I, I recognize that I'm watching Gaia and I have like a deja vu moment in the dream of real life from me watching Gaia. And I get nervous because I kind of expect to see a light and all of a sudden that, you know, the house lights up and I automatically get up, walk outside to the patio. This is all in the dream. And uh, as as the light is like shining on my house, I, I go outside and look up and there's a, a circular craft that's right above my house, maybe a couple hundred feet above my house. It has uh, maybe 20 blue, small blue lights on the outside. On the inside inner ring is an interlocking like um, yin yang, the, uh, a kind of yin yang symbol is the best way I can describe it. And a, a metal door, these it's like multiple metal doors open up in this uh, ring opens up and in, inside is this massive blue light that's inside that is emanating from inside this craft. And this, this door opens up and it shines this blue light on me. And that's the last, I, the last thing I remember. I don't know if I was taken up in the ship or whatever, but I don't remember anything else about it. Wake up from the dream um sweating this uh, you know a couple hours later at, you know after i went to sleep i'm just really um just feel like i'm going crazy you know and uh eventually go, go use the restroom and eventually you know go back to sleep the next morning early in the morning uh, this is another part of the story like we had a guest house in the back and we had some family uh, we had some family of friends that were visiting from Texas. They had uh, a boy and a girl. Uh, it was right. a couple that was good friends with us. They had a boy and a girl. Uh, the girl was a teenager, maybe 13, 14 years old. 
and they were staying in our guest house in the back that's in the back of our house in Crestone. And below it is where we did ceremony at. It's a big like uh, studio, uh, open open studio, and above it is a loft. And that's where like our guest area was. You know, we had a, a bed up there, a couch, and enough for like a family. So we had people visit a lot. So they were visiting and staying in that um, that same night that this all happened. And they come busting in like five, six, seven o'clock in the morning. They're like, "Hey, we got to leave early." And they start telling us about um, their daughter, uh, Trinity, um, was her, is her name. And she's like, Trinity's freaking out. We got to go. And I'm like, well, 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 why? Well, what's going on? I had, you know, I'm not thinking anything. Of, it has, I'm not thinking any connection to this. I'm thinking maybe there's a mouse in the guest house or something, you know, like she's like, Trinity uh, was up last night and she got woken up by a light that engulfed the whole uh, guest house. No way. And she was looking out the window and she saw a craft go past the window and it was, it was lighting up the whole area and she's freaked out. We got to We got to go back. She doesn't want to stay here. And I'm, and I told him, uh, I sat him down and I was like, you know, this is what happened. This is what I saw last night. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, this is, we didn't see it, but Trinity saw it. And they were in the same room. It's just, um, I think what brought this up when in, when you were on my show, we were talking about how people can, the frequency maybe is off just a little bit in one person. They might not see an event. And the person beside them might see, you know, a mind-blowing event. And the, and the other person right beside them might not see it at all. That is incredible. You know, that's one of the things that we have talked about recently on this show, Drew, is how you can be in a group of people and literally, literally five out of those ten people will have a UFO experience and the other five have no clue on what is going on. Why Why do you think the phenomena chooses it's- who can see it and who can't? It's, I don't think it chooses. I think it's. I think it's about frequency and vibration, and I think that you have to have the phenomenon. We're just. We're, we're just. We're just call it the phenomenon or contact modalities. You know the uh, Ray Hernandez and his uh, his group. I forgot um, the, the name free, of his group. The free experiencers. Yeah, they they put together this book about contact modalities. They're they're on it. Like they're really they're they're really getting close to the truth because all this is about you know all this is about consciousness and you know Tesla had it right frequency and vibration. If you want to understand the universe, understand frequency and vibration, then you can start to understand the universe. And I think I think he's dead on it. I think that's what we're we're uncovering now in this phenomenon. The phenomenon, I I think. Um, has to know that you're going to be able to handle whatever it's showing you. It doesn't want, it doesn't want to destroy you. It wants to progress you. And I think that it won't show you, um, it won't show you its true nature until it, it, it senses that you're able to withstand that, that type of information. And I, I, cause I think this is all, I think this is all about the evolutionary shift of humanity really. Wow. I mean, how does psychedelics improve or enhance ET contact? Well, it's it's a vibrational medicine, you know, and this is a big part of my teachings uh, when 
people that come to my ceremonies and stuff, I describe the medicines, I describe their ceremony aspects, their ritual aspects, but I also, I also describe um, what they do vibrationally. You know, ayahuasca is, um, is essentially the vibration of the divine feminine of the, of the entire universe. And I, I believe there's, so to better explain this, I have to explain like my viewpoint of how the structural universe is. I believe there's a source consciousness uh, at the top of this pyramid of creation. And then it goes down to the divine feminine and the divine masculine, you know, man and man and woman, not uh, positive and negative uh, battery terminals or positive and negative energy, whatever you want to call it. Both these things have to be, be present to create you know just just as if you're creating life or whatever so my the way i see the structural universe this is the very simply at the top of how it's constructed where uh in human form in this 3d is very very far down from that from the top of that pyramid which i just described just to try to visualize where i'm where i see it so ayahuasca represents the informational codes of it, it can bring you into the vibrational field to unlock half the codes of the universe, the, the, all the divine feminine codes. The Wachuma San Pedro represents the divine masculine. Um, the masculine in it helps bring the physical container the, the 3D physical body container, human container, into a vibrational field where it can experience a higher vibrational state. The the particular vibration of Wachuma is and peyote and the mescaline takes you into the, the masculine side of it. So um, dealing with both of the ceremonies, I believe gives me uh, gives me a lot of balance um, in, in my being and and how I feel about things. What happens if you have a bad trip, man? I don't think there is a bad trip. I think, um, cause I think any bad trip is, you know, just, uh, how it unfolds, you know, just, uh, case in point, we we're talking about Travis Walton the other day on my show and we we're talking about how his perception of the, the incident changed over the years. At first, he, he claimed he was an abductee. He was taken up on a ship, and he was wronged by beings and then released. But recently, over the past, you know, maybe five years or so, his viewpoint has changed. He's, he's starting to understand that there was lessons in it. He started to understand the experience uh, that he had on the ship was that they were trying to help him. Like, uh, his whole viewpoint has changed. So I really... You know, I get to ask this question a lot about bad trips. I don't think, in my viewpoint, I don't think there is such thing. I think if it, if it happens in a ceremony, in a sacred way, and in a good way, with good intentions, no matter your perception of it, I think something is unfolding within yourself. I think, uh, I think the perception, the perception of reality is the only, is the only variable, the the only truth of reality is divine order in every single moment of every single second of every single life of every single being that's ever was and ever will be. 
Okay. I think that's the only truth. So would you say you're seeing what's going on in the universe? Which universe are we talking about? Our own personal universe or the the gigantic universe that surrounds our planet? I, I'm talking about the, the unseen universe of creation, like the the you know the the 13th dimensional field you know the 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 one right before source the one right before godhead the one right before brahma the or all of it you know really it's i I, i'm not talking so much about the stars and everything like i'm talking about like what what makes up everything the energetic field the you know i could I could delve into the energetic field of like uh, how chakra systems are made and how how the, our solar system is is a chakra system. Like each planet of our solar system uh, represents a chakra point, and it and all those chakra points, all the planets make up the our solar system. And outside that, we you know we get into our, our our outer solar system, outer planets. But really, that's that story can go on forever because there's an infinite amount of stars out there. I think they're always being made, and I think there's ones being born and being made that we that we may not even know about in our lifetimes. You know, I think that's I think there's a lot going on that we can never even comprehend. But the universe that when I speak about universe, I'm speaking about the creation universe, the okay, the woo, the 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 center of the woo train. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, that's a big captain to fill that woo train, man. Big <laughs> captain. Okay, so we got two minutes here before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour. You know when you when you uh, or right before you use the ayahuasca or anything like that. Do you have to set your intention and say, okay, I want to contact my ethereal beings or my spirit guides or the Zeta Reticulis or the Pleiadians? How do you, how do you come across that? It's, it's just a prayer. You know, it's just, uh, I just, I help people. For me personally, I just, I speak to uh, an invisible force, just like I'm speaking to you, you know, and whatever questions I have, you know, it might be, you know why why am i going through this in my life what is holding me back in my life um us, usually it's not about connecting to any outside things that, that's that always just happens organically on its own uh, really when you go get to the point of taking the medicine it's rarely about exploring so much it's more you want to figure out what's holding you back how you can move forward how you can better yourself you know, um, should I write this book? Should, should I not? Um, things like that. Um, and it's, it's, it's all about, it's all about moving the consciousness forward or moving the phenomenon forward. That's, that's always my, my goal. Um, and usually when people come to ceremony, it's normally about, they want to relieve something. They want to better something, you know, they want relief really. That's normally what I hear a lot. I, I rarely ever hear someone trying to connect to a certain race because those those questions don't really come into mind when when you're sitting there about to go through a portal. And that's really what ayahuasca is. It's a portal in a way. Very true. We're going to get into more of Drew's extraterrestrial experiences, what he's learned 
from the aliens on the other side while using psychedelics. And how do we do it? Do you want to try it? I'm not sure if I do. I got enough ET contact as it is, man. So I'm not sure. Drew Benke is here, our guest tonight. He is an author. He's a researcher. He is a podcaster with Eagle's Nest Podcast. And he's got great hair as well. Fantastic hair. We love Drew's hair. And we love our veterans around here. Drew Benke. We got him till the top of the hour here on Spaced Out Radio. We'll be back with more on this great show, Aliens and Ayahuasca, next on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear, dude. Cool. Lots of fun, brother. Oh, always, man. Always. (coughs) Gong Show. How you doing, buddy? Nice to see you here. Got a Dave? You got a pendulum? I do. Close by. Yeah, where did I put it? Hold you, on. You want to do something cool? Yeah, hold on. I'm into it. Hold on. Let me put it. I actually flung one of my paintbrushes really far across the room, and I have to go search I'm before the cats find me. Pendulum work, man. Hold on. All right. Uh, yeah, let's use this one. All right. What do you got for us? Okay, you got a, a lighter? Yeah. Okay, put a lighter on the table and hold the pendulum over it. You don't, ha- you don't have to light or anything, just put it on the table. So... As you hold the pendulum over, you can start to think about maybe it's probably a Bic lighter. Mmm, Can't you just taste that sound? That's the power of grilling over charcoal. And with the Masterbuilt Gravity Series, get all the flavor of charcoal with the ease of gas. That's charcoal flavor made easy. Let's make your summer road trip the best one yet by making the trip before the trip to Midas. Get road trip ready with a conventional oil change and tire rotation starting at $29.99. Request your appointment today at Midas.com. Or or something close to that. It's made out of plastic. It's got metal in it. It's got a piece of flint. And it's just an object. It, it may it may light your cigarettes or something like that, but it's just it's just an object. Or it can be viewed as a sacred part of the central fire because it, it produces a fire or it can light sage or it can light incense or it can take part in sacred ceremonies like that. So the viewpoint of it as you're viewing it now can 
changed to it being a sacred item. Or it can be just a piece of plastic. It's just a, a Bic lighter. It's, it's, just, it's just an object that's going to get thrown, thrown away one day, and it has no significance really other than just being an object. Or it can be a sacred representation of the central fire because it holds fire. It can create magic. It's sacred. Now, as we're speaking, the two different ways that we're speaking about the object, do you find, do you feel any difference in the pendulum? Uh, no, but it is active right now. Okay. So the, the lighter is just a piece of plastic. It's just an object. It's nothing more than an object. It's, it's just, it's just a random piece of object. It's probably only going to last a couple more days and you're going to throw it away. It's got to wind up in a landfill. Or it's a sacred piece. It's a sacred connection to the sacred fire. My point of this um, and what what should happen if uh, people are listening and they're, they're um, have a pendulum, they can feel I, I do this. I do this exercise for people not holding the pendulum myself. I want people to hold it and feel uh, there is a difference and it's activated by our own mind or consciousness. And, um, when we think about something, it's, we can think about two different ways. The, the point of this exercise is to show like any object, any experience, there's two different viewpoints that you can view it, uh, two different ways you can view it at, um, lots of times there's more than that, but there's always at least two different ways and perceptions that you can look at things. And, um, I, I truly believe how we look at things and how we talk about things can uh, transmute an object, basically. If anybody in the chat room has uh, taken part in this uh, exercise and has come up with any um, results, go ahead and let us know. Let us know in the chat room. Or if if you didn't come up with the results, let us know too. Like, I'm open to... You know, I'm still trying to figure all this out. This is a crazy, uh, craziest time uh, I think uh, that's been in humanity's lifetime is happening right now, and I think we're living through it. So, well, there we we just lit some sage here in the studio. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm gonna light some Palo Santo. Sounds good, brother. Let's rock and roll. There we go. We got like five seconds, guys. Hi, gorgeous D. Swiger. Hi, Sovereign Farts. Good to have you guys here. Here we go. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok 
at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight. Drew Banke is here from Sacred Journeys Within and the Eagle's Nest podcast. We're talking aliens and ayahuasca here. Do we have to be able to, you know, dip into the psychedelics in order to have ET contact? Now, for many of us, the answer is no. But if you want to enhance it, people like Drew are willing to walk you through it to solidify that connection. Drew, welcome back. Hey, good to be back, Dave. No problem, my friend. No problem. You've got the Palo Santo wood burning. I've got the sage burning. We are all peace, love, and light, ready to set our <laughs> zen and our chi to the aliens. And I'm curious, my friend, you know, when you set the intention, how do you know you're getting good aliens and not bad ones? Well, I guess this goes back to uh, what I've been talking about all night. Um, I think it's all divine order. I don't think there's, I, in my mind, I don't think there's bad aliens. I, I, I know that there's a, I know this is going to cause a lot of, uh, a lot of discussion uh, with a lot of people, but I, I really believe we are at the point in this 3d body right now. I think I, I, believe we're at the point of understanding one consciousness and my my question uh my question would be at this point if you understand that there's one consciousness if you understand that there's brahma consciousness if you understand that there's jesus consciousness whatever you want to call it the the source if you really subscribe to that truth my question would be how is there how can there how can you do any wrong if you understand that every particle of yourself every particle that you see is another particle of yourself that that is where my understanding of this existence is so when people ask me about bad aliens i don't think that there is because i think uh, i think to get to be aliens i think aliens are part our future future selves of us to get to that point, I think you have to go through this consciousness shift that we're entering right now. I think that the ETs, the ETs, are way past, has uh, you know millions of years past this small point in time right now when we're starting to understand the oneness, peace, love, and all this stuff. What what really boils down to is, uh, you know. Uh, a coin, a phrase that I coined uh, speaking to Grant Cameron a few months ago was the the trifecta of existence that I see, which is source, masculine, and feminine, and uh, that translates also into I, the humanity moving forward. I believe is going to come to this understanding of one consciousness, but still being on two legs. That that means you're the, you're we're going to get away from the separateness of our understanding. Like we're going to stop identifying so much as our physical beings and identify more as our consciousness. That doesn't mean we're going to give up our physical form. We're just going to go into a higher state of understanding. I think that there's, I think that slowly individually uh, we're getting it, you know, the humanity is getting to that point, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slow process, but I think it's speeding up, really. What is the message that the ETs want us to know? Oneness. We need to start looking at the Earth as a being. Like, uh, 
we need to we need to view earth as from their viewpoint we need to look at earth from from space you know try to if everyone all listeners could close their eyes right now and imagine themselves maybe on the moon looking at earth it's a lot easier to see earth as a being when you're not standing on it it's hard to understand that it is a living being that has a consciousness has has its own heartbeat has its own blood has its own everything that we have it breathes everything you know it has uh emotions just just like we do you know uh william shatner uh had had this thing when he, he we saw it when he um ha- did the thing with um with bezos where he he went off it and spent a, a couple minutes um off in space and then come back. He come back crying. He was so emotional. I, I can and anyone that's ever done ayahuasca, that if they've seen or any any uh, strong, really sought, uh, psychedelic ceremonies and really had a, a profound experiences, they can recognize that same epiphany when William Shatner came back and he's like, "Oh my God, I saw the Earth and I saw how blue it was. I saw how much it loved us. This, that, and the other." It's, a, it's the same thing when you come back from ayahuasca. So it's like uh, ayahuasca is not the only way to get to these experiences to raise your vibration, but it is it is a way that's been around for a few thousand years. Well, could you get the same effects from, say, doing magic mushrooms? Absolutely. And I have, um, and I've seen plenty. Uh, magic mushrooms are a, a very powerful medicine. Um, they're they're a, a lot of there's a lot of information that points that they're that magic mushrooms are from off planet. They're they're off planet um, intelligence that's that's here. Uh, there's a lot of characteristics of mushrooms that doesn't fit into the most of the other uh, nature setup of this earth. You know the the e- eological system of this earth the mushrooms don't match don't really match up to a lot of a lot of how this is set up so um wherever they come from they do help um especially you know my my wife uh, has taken extensive courses on uh microdosing so we do uh we do talk to people and advise them on microdosing especially after ceremony it helps with integration you know the when you come to the ceremony itself, like the actual time that you're here is just a small part of the process, like the integration, the pre pre ceremonies, getting people ready, their diets and everything. That's a big part. And then that the after, like what happens after, like talking them through like the dreams and the epiphanies and the downloads and whatever you want to call it, the, everything that's happened afterwards, the different emotional states that happen after the ceremonies. That's, that's what we like. That's what we've we put a lot of emphasis on that as well because it's a it's a crucial part of the whole process. Uh, microdosing with psilocybin um, ha- is starting to become more and more prevalent in that post integration work from the ceremonies that we do. Okay, so how long do the effects last of an ayahuasca ceremony? Yes. And I ask because different different ceremonies they have different 
they have different ways, you know, they have different time frames. Ayahuasca ceremony can last anywhere from two hours to eight hours. Um, it can it can last longer than that. The actual visual state normally only lasts a small window. It's just normally uh, what they call the peak. So it'll be it'll be at right at the middle of towards the middle of the ceremony, and uh, there's a build up, and then there's a, a time when you um, you know go out of body or have or have your visual state or have your message state. Um, that's, that's usually a small window, maybe a 20 to 40 minute window it, somewhere in the middle of the ceremony. And like I said, depending on how it's ran, um, you know, if I'm singing, if I'm, if I, if, if I'm singing high vibrate, if I'm singing fast songs, uh, if I'm calling different medicine, if I'm calling, talking to different medicines, uh, in the ceremony, then the ceremony can last longer. Um, there's really no set time. There's just, um, the, the normal is about four to five hours really, but what it normally, the whole thing from start to finish. Does it affect each and every one of us differently? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I've seen couples that come, that has come in, uh, case in point, we had, uh, my chiropractor came, never had any experience, him and his wife never had any experience with this. But they've been wanting to go to Peru. COVID hit. They couldn't do it. Um, I I uh, had an accident uh, training one of my horses uh, like uh, about a year or so, a year and a half ago. Went to the chiropractor and started to talk to him. You know that they was like, "Oh man, we was we was trying to go to Peru and we can't go because of COVID." And I was like, "Well, I own ayahuasca. You know, I I got an ayahuasca church like right, you know, thirty minutes away." So a couple weeks later, they came to ceremony. The, the wife had an amazing experience and the husband had um, just a, a mild experience. And it because uh, the, the wife just gave into it and it, to the experience and he was a little more reserved. So it's these ceremonies, they operate on free will, too, just like just like uh, life and general existence operates on one of the main uh one of the main laws that governs us is free will. It's a, uh, it governs the ceremonies as well. If someone wants to really go, have a full on experience, they can, if not, they won't. Um, the experience she had in particular, uh, her breath, um, when she was breathed in and breathed out, the universe, um, expanded and impl- imploded and exploded with her breath, basically. So what she was seeing was she was formless, uh, shapeless, and totally disassociated with um, her identity, and she was one with the universe. And but her her physical body was still breathing, and with each of those breaths, she saw the universe implode and explode. And the her husband sat right beside her, had a. Uh, woke up feeling better, but didn't really see anything. So it's, it's hit or miss. And it's, um, it's, it's what you need at that time. It's going to give you exactly what you need. And that, that (laughs) it goes back to what I've been talking about all night, the divine, what I hold really, really true is the divine truth of existence is 
everything is perfection. And the only thing, the only variable of that is our perception. The actual truth is perfection. The only variable is perception. So I think this is a truth that gets learned by uh, yogis and masters. And, you know, I've through my journey, I've got to I've got the unique opportunity to see a lot of Native American uh, famous spiritual leaders and other spiritual leaders in, in Buddhist temples and, and all over. But one thing that I picked up, there's a point where I wanted to get to that I saw people walking around, like had their hands like full, you know, their fingers crossed behind their back and they're walking around and just with this smile and like this, uh, this the giggle and you can just tell that they're just, that they have a secret and that, but they don't know how to articulate it, you know, but, and I spent that that's what motivated me i was like i want i want that i want to walk around with that type of contentment and now i have it i understand what it is it's it's the truth of our uh eternal lives that it's already here it's nothing that we have to wait on we're actually we're kind of living in heaven you know if we through our perception like if we want to live in this if we want to understand that this is, we are living in the, one of the greatest times it's ever was, then that's what you're going to live in. If you want to live in depression and hate and anger, that's what you're going to live in. Drew, let's get to a question from Susie in our chat room. How do you know let's what type it. of energy you need, masculine or feminine? Um, I, what, do I, what do I need? There's, I think there's a balance in between the two. I think there's, uh, visually, I think, you know, there's these, these energies that, that govern our being, the masculine and the feminine. And I think what we need to uh, focus on or try to get to is holding those energies in the middle in a perfect balance. I don't, I don't think either one is, is healthy um, when it's, um, overused i think i think the balance is the is the goal Susie. all right we got another question coming from gloria here drew do you believe that the aliens have healing abilities also what about the people that have been abducted that have a painful experience i think the what was the first was the first part of it do you believe aliens healing have abil- healing abilities? <clears throat> well, I don't. That for the, to call them aliens, I think they're just multi. I think multi-dimensional beings or higher selves uh, or aliens. I think they're all the same thing. Like um, this would be a this would be an important time to share a, a, a short story of a. Sure. I, I asked a question. And this is after ayahuasca ceremony. This is a morning after ayahuasca ceremony. I was looking in a mirror in the bathroom. And this something they, they always tell you not to do, you know. Anytime you're around a ceremony, don't look in a mirror. And I'm always one to, like, you know, try to figure out why you're not supposed to do that. So I looked in the mirror. And um, I don't know why, but I was like, when, I asked, when is disclosure going to happen? And it showed me, a, uh, I had a, the reflection of myself in the mirror. And then it morphed into uh, like a gray, a gray face and then all these different other alien species face. And then it morphed back into my face. 
and a, a message, a verbal message come through and it said disclosure will happen on an individual basis when people look into the mirrors and understand their true relationship to ETs. So that being said, it's really the people that's been abducted, I believe they're experiencing and processing in a way something, a trauma that's happening in their life, but they're processing it in a way that is visualized in a different way. I'm not taking away that they don't, they, they, that everything about it is not 100% real in their field of understanding. But ultimately, I think it's, it's a, I think they're going through a process when, when they have an abduction that they perceive as something as a painful experience. It's kind of goes back to the, the bad trip answer. See, I would disagree with you on that politely, if you don't mind, you know, because I, I have heard a number, a number of people over the years tell some absolutely heinous story as a parent no two days are ever the same at care.com you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule care.com can even help you out with housekeepers dog walkers senior caregivers and more so you can find care for all you love and 100 of caregivers who use care.com have been background checked with care check a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at care.com. Enterprise isn't just one of the world's largest transportation providers. We're a committed team, helping you get to what matters most, your family, your livelihood, and your next adventure. Getting you there begins with our employees, who are motivated to make a difference for you every day. Around the world and around the corner in neighborhoods like yours. Connecting you to all the places you love. That's Enterprise. About their ET contact. Now, I agree that I think there's more bad than, or more good than bad. But I mean, that's like saying that, you know, every human on this planet is good. Well, we know there are some very bad human beings out there. You know, absolutely. And I would I, say the same thing for extraterrestrials. I I agree. There's bad humans out there because I, I think that I think that we're at this um, the duality. I think I, I think we're going through a duality lesson in humanity. And once we get through that duality lesson, we understand oneness. We understand oneness consciousness. I fully believe that ET is a f- a future version of ourselves okay. and if we're at the point of humanity of understanding oneness and ET is let's just say a 2 million years past where we're at right now then and th- that's even a further understanding of oneness how can you and this is, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying it's not perceived as real, but I, I just, I just don't understand how there could be evil alien, evil ET races because I think this is a threshold of understanding oneness. But that this goes back to you know, there's Travis Walton's viewpoint on his, and this is just a case in point that I know for a fact. 
Travis Walton's experience has and story has totally absolutely changed from what it from what it was back in the 70s or when it you know that when it first happened and and the year and the 10 15 20 years that's passed it's not only till recently he started to really understand or really change his story and say yeah this all happened the way it was but now i understand why they were doing it like the you know the, the ets were chasing me through the 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 craft trying to get me back on the table not because they were trying to chase me down and kill me but they were trying to help me and they were they actually saved my life this this come from him this come from him mouth to mouth face to face in 2019 at contact in the desert i and i think in that case you're you're absolutely right for travis walton you know but i mean you take somebody like whitley streber who had you know, horrific contact. There's a lady out here named Karina Sables. Horrible contact. Samantha Mowat. She's had the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our Keith Andrews, same thing. And I'm just wondering, though. You know, I think you're. If if I could, if I could make a comment here with two minutes to go, I think you're just so dialed in with what you're doing that the that the good ETs are like, hey. We want to party with this guy. We want to help this guy out. We're going to keep the bad away. You know, we're going to wash that gray right out of your hair. You know, I mean, that's the way I think it is, if, if you don't mind me saying. And it's just a presumption. I, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not claiming to be the answer. You know, I'm, no, I, I'm know pla- I, I, I share what I share, what I feel, um, you know, and I think. this 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 whole phenomenon that 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 this abduction maybe it's uh people's perception too like if it maybe maybe it's it, it looks bad from it feels bad to us but really what's what's going on in the background is something much more much better than what we could ever imagine that maybe just hasn't been on shown to us yet that's that's just my take on it. I, I, I hold the truth that we're going through an evolutionary shift in our timeline, and I, I believe ET's a very far advance of it. And I just, I just don't see how that's anywhere possible given what what I see. I'm open. I'm open to all possibilities, though, man. Like, I'm still trying to figure this out as well. Um, we're all in this together, and um, you know, the the only way we're gonna do it is openly and sharing our experiences um our feelings and and not taking it personally you know and that, that's something i gave up a long time ago especially with getting in any conversations like this of taking anything personally hey 45 seconds left my friend tell everybody where they can find your website your podcast okay sacred dreams within.com um eagles nest podcast on youtube um yeah, I got Jason Quick coming up um, on my show. Kevin Day, I got Sev Talk, uh, Mufon uh, Extraordinaire coming up. Ruben Langdon, um, yeah, I'm gonna be speaking in Golden, Colorado, at the Stardust Fest on uh, July 10th. Gonna be speaking at Zen Awakening Festival in Orlando, Florida, uh, November 18th to 21st. Um, also going to be performing. I'm also a musician. I play the didgeridoo flute, uh, sing, 
sing songs in a couple different languages, uh, Native American songs. Um, so going to be there hanging out. Come hang out with us. Um, like, share, like and share. Hit the, hit the bell over on YouTube. Support me on Eagles Nest Podcast every Sunday. And I also have other pop-up podcasts. Appreciate it, Drew. Coming up next, we're going to the Swamp. And then Super Duke in Hour 3 of Spaced Out Radio. Appreciate it, everybody. Great job, buddy. Great job. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, brother. Anytime, man. Anytime. You know I got time for you. Oh, yeah. All right, brother. Thanks for coming out, Drew. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks. So, so where are we at here on this painting? Right there. Oh. So far, we've got Dave, uh, he's licked this strange alien. Science Bob is like, hey, you licked the alien, didn't you? And Dave's like, I know the truth. It's not quite done yet, though. This is live, so I'm working on it. By by the time you wake up tomorrow, it'll be done. Psychedelic filth right there. Psychedelic filth. All right, Drew, we're going to let you go. I got Super Duke waiting in the wings, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. All right, brother. Party on. You too. Take care. Drew Banky, everybody. I love that guy. Hey, there's Super Duke from World Biggie Foot Radio. But he's not there. He'll be there when he comes back. He'll notice. I'll be right back. So the only person left is Dirty Filth, so let's put a tack on Dave's chair, shall we? I'm just going to continue drawing cartoons and everybody can watch. I'm mostly done drawing the cartoons, just inking. Oh, and it's a terrible lettering action. First thing in the room. Cartoon's almost done. A little bit more detail. Send it off to the web witch and he gets taken care of. It's side spot. He's wearing sneakers anyways. If anybody ever wants to know when they draw the cartoons to side spot, it's like sometimes. Something just collapsed somewhere. Super Duke. Howdy, howdy. What are you doing? I see your drawing is progressing. Oh, I was just going to say, whenever I draw Science Bob, I always put the four pips on his, on his collar. So he be the captain. Because <laughs> he's mostly bald like the card. The drawing eventually evolved at that point in time. 
Yes, it's almost done. Pissing around here tonight. Drawing cartoons, harassing the cats in between. Cats have been extremely annoying tonight. No, you didn't even get to see my eyes. I learned that trick of eye shine from the Bigfoot, Chris. over a minute. Hi, Super Duke. Hey, Dave. What's nice that? to see you here on your show. Hey, thanks. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dirty Filth. <laughs> I just wandered through the neighborhood, thought I'd stop in and say hi. Well, Shows up. He's like, oh, here we go. Oh, there's Piles old in. Super Dukey. <laughs> the dookity do. And I love Filth's drawings. They're just so uh, lively and entertaining looking. <clears throat> it's Dave. He's not quite done yet, but Apparently he licked the alien, so. Ew. Apparently I did. Trip now. Apparently I did. <laughs> Dave will be tripping now. He licked an alien. Well, hey. Hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? Anything it's for like a... those to... <laughs> Like licking a toad, only it's probably more psychoactive. Anything for a dollar. Anything <laughs> for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> hey, Lavera. Uh, yes. Lovely LaVera was late today. We should just uh, let everybody know. Tardy. Do five laps, 20 push-ups. You got that right. All right, guys, here we go. Okay, I'm going to go one. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Malism. Malism is your password. 
Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight as we head into the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller has another spooky story for us. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. This is a short story, but I thought I'd share it with you anyway. So this experience happened several years ago when I went on a camping trip with my dad and his ex-partner, as well as our two dogs, Agro, a small chihuahua, cross with our boxer cross, Maddie. We were on our way to a mountain peak called Charles, located in Western Australia. We had to take a long gravel road off the main highway and it took probably a 55 kilometer drive to get there. About halfway down the gravel road, we decided as it was getting dark that we would camp at a place called Muir's Rock. As soon as we pulled up into the small clearing where we were going to set up camp, I knew that something just felt off about this place. The vibe I was getting was wrong and my dad and his ex felt it too. After we set up camp, we all went for a small walk onto the rock and we noticed how quiet it was. Unnaturally quiet. Usually you'd see lizards running around on the rocks and hear sounds of bats and crickets and birds, but we didn't hear a single sound at all the entire time. Even Maddie and Agro were on edge the whole time we were there, growling and staying close to camp, which was highly unusual for those dogs as they always wanted to run around and explore all the different smells. We also found what looked like something had been digging in the ground for roots, and my dad suggested that the dug-up areas were from wild pigs, but I know it wasn't pigs that were making all those creatures go silent and making the dogs scared. We were being watched by something else, something predatory and sinister, and if we didn't have the dogs with us on that camping trip, I think we would have probably had something stalking us. I have no idea what it was, but I know it wasn't anything good, and I'll never go camping at Muir's Rock ever again. This happened two years ago. Me and my two friends went camping in the biggest park in my country. It has been a while since we saw each other since I started to work right after school and they went to college. One of them studied to be a movie director and the other one always wanted to be a teacher. We drove in a beat up old Opal Cadet that my friend owned and we put on music from ACDC and Bon Jovi on the loudest that we could make it go. This weekend was going to be awesome. I had it all planned out. The hiking, the barbecuing, all of the nonsense we will talk about and jokes we'll make. When we were still in school, we saw each other every day, and you only realize how great it is when you are out of school and don't get to see them as much. 
The two-hour drive to the park was awesome in itself. When we got there, we quickly put up our tents and unpacked our stuff. It was already quite dark, so we figured we'd be leaving for hiking the next day. We have read a lot about cases where lions escaped, and it just seemed dumb to take any risk in the dark. We ate some snacks and watched movies till we fell asleep just after midnight. We were all exhausted after the long day and wanted to be energized for the hike and whatever else we would be doing the next day. I'm not sure how late it was, but I woke up suddenly. The first weird thing I noticed was that I could see the sky. I mean, the tent is closed. How could I be seeing the sky? It just did not make sense to me. I tried to sit up and look around me to see what the hell was going on. That's when I felt a massive pain through my stomach. I lifted up my shirt revealing a few massive cuts on my stomach. It looked like a symbol or something. It was hard to make out at first with all the blood and all still running. It got clear. It was a symbol for Satanism. I tried to scream, but I was too weak. I eventually passed out. I am not sure if it was from blood loss or exhaustion or what. The next time I woke up was in the hospital with one of my friends asleep in the corner of the room and the other looking anxiously at me. He told me everything. How they found me in the morning a few kilometers away from our tents. How they brought me to the hospital. And also, how the police arrested a massive cult of Satan worshippers. Apparently, they targeted smaller groups of campers to make sacrifices. I don't know how they decided to spare my life. Perhaps to send a message, or maybe it was their plan to leave me for dead and let me bleed out. I also have no idea how they got me a few kilometers away without me waking up. The doctors did not find anything weird in my system. The police did a search of the entire park, which was pretty massive. They found a lot of bones. Many of the bones were animal bones, but sadly some of them were human. I guess whenever someone got lost, everyone figured an animal had eaten them, not knowing what something far more sinister had been going on out there. Oh, man. The Swamp Dweller really bringing the creepiness tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We love the Swamp Dweller around here. Thousands of stories for you to choose from and listen to when you go to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. Make sure you hit subscribe and ring that bell for him. Really deserves it. We love the Swamp Dweller around here. Right now, though, it is time for the actual cryptid report of Super Duke Sullivan from World Bigfoot Radio. Here we go. Super Duke and Duke Doubt Radio here on Spaced Out Radio comes in for the Cryptid Report a couple times a week, and we love the Super Duke around here. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing tonight, Dave? I am fantastic. Wide awake. Wide. Wasn't that awake. a fun show? That was a fun show. Yeah. You know what, Drew Banky? He really is one of the good guys in this field. And, you know, he's somebody who has experienced a lot, really found his niche, and he's really, whether you agree with, you know, the use of psychedelics or not, the one thing that he is doing is he is really uh, helping people, people who have gone to him for for help, whether it's depression, anxiety, uh, just people who are lost in life. 
They seem to find the answers around him, and that's always a good thing. Now, psychedelics can actually be the... As CEO of my own pirate enterprise, I chose HubSpot as my CRM because it lets my team work together seamlessly. So no more accidental plank walks. Learn how you can connect your people, your customers, and your business at HubSpot.com. I'm an actor, not a business leader. But if I were, I'd run the biggest pirate enterprise to ever sail the high seas. Ahoy! And then I'd get HubSpot as my CRM platform to connect all my ships across the globe. Because acquiring new customers doesn't come easy. But HubSpot makes it easy for teams to create a more personalized customer experience. And then I'd climb to the top of the crow's nest and shout things like, Batten down the customer reports! But again, I'm not a pirate CEO. I'm a very serious actor. Connect your people, your customers, and your business at HubSpot.com. Uh, the right tool in some cases, you know. Using them recreationally is one thing, but using them as a spiritual or mind-expanding experience, a uh, completely different thing. And, you know, it's at a certain point, if you're doing that, you just reach the point where it's like, well, there's nothing more to learn from this particular chemical ceremony, whatever. And, he, and you're just not doing it anymore <laughs> because you already got to the limits of what you're going to learn from it. And he brought that up, too. Very true. Very true. You know, uh, Duke, I'll update you on our gifting site up here. We have, Tell me. Tell me. We have had zero action. <laughs> zero action. But Robin McRae, the Sasquatch psychic, she actually predicted that. She said, you know, give it four to five weeks. If nothing is there, you might want to take it down and, and try someplace else. But she goes, let him get used to it. Let him get used to everything. Yep. I still think we're in the right area. I do. You know, it's very peaceful out there, Duke. It doesn't feel like there's anything nefarious out there watching us or 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 hiding in the bushes. But well, you probably are in the right area, and you probably got your gifting spot in the right area. But, you know, you showed pictures of your gifting spot, and it looks like you brought them a Walmart and just didn't put walls around it. So that could be a bit off-putting because they have too many things to focus on and wonder what they are and what they do. True. <laughs> so that'll take them a little bit longer to decide what to do with anything. Very true. And so we're going to go back next week, see if anything happens. But I'm willing to, to give this right through the summer and into the fall and see where it goes. Uh, I got to go check my other two gifting sites out there, see how they are doing. The one I haven't been to in over a year now. So I'm going to try and wow. get out there this this weekend. Well, last year, we got, that whole area was surrounded by forest fires. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bad news. I know. Basically, yeah. the area all around it just burned down. Yeah. Well, we talked about that last year. So anyhow, that's the update. What do you got for us tonight, man? Well, several updates on my end. First of all, uh, one of my friends who's been a guest on my show and was just on as recently as episode one of the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference series, Christy Sci-Fi, decided to go with uh, and get out of uh, Louisiana and go visit friends in Mississippi and threw her little four-wheel ATV in the back of her truck and drove on up there, and they went ATVing all weekend. And at one point during the weekend, she's driving along, and she has a very trained eye and she goes, no way. Is that what I just thought it was? And she just slams on the brakes, pulls off the trail, motions for everybody to go past her. And then she puts back a little ways. And yeah, it was exactly what she thought it was. There's a huge Bigfoot sitting there right off the trail, about 10 feet off the trail, in some bushes watching her. 
and she got a very nice picture of it and i've got it up on my community tab on youtube right now second thing you'll be interested dave is that uh, everybody liked that gugly report for your birthday so much that i'm going to actually make it into a little short show that'll be out on this wednesday tomorrow hopefully uh before you come on so anybody on the, on the show that wants to see the uh the visual version of it with sound effects and music and all that kind of stuff can check that out. And then coming up this weekend, uh, big news, the uh, DN, more DNA research on Bigfoot. In this case, uh, Zana. And you may remember Zana and Kvit from over there in Russia in the Georgia area. And uh, she had been captured and abused by this village for years. And she had several uh, hybrid kids with the men that lived there. And uh, for a long time, they were trying to track down her descendants. And they found one of them, Kvit. They had his skull, and they DNA tested it. And then they were trying to find out from the old people in the village where they buried Zana. They think they got the right spot, and they dug it up and got the skull out of that, and they've been DNA testing it. Well, on Sunday, you can find out what the results were, and I can give one spoiler, and that is it is absolutely Zana's skull. Hmm. That is going to be interesting. Yep, because this this all ties in with the uh, another thing that's currently of great interest in the genetic uh, part of the whole anthropological world, the uh, ghost DNA, uh, MUC7E, sub-Saharan African uh, outlier that doesn't seem to correspond to any living uh, hominid species or known extant ones, which could actually be a marker for uh, Bigfoot also. So that's why it's of great interest. But I also have reports here, and before we run out of time, I want to get around to them. What I've got for you tonight is from the book uh, Bigfoot, The True Story of Apes in America by the very venerable cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, who, if you've never seen a picture of him, he looks like Santa Claus. So anyway, this is about skunk apes, and a lot of people wonder, are skunk apes the same thing as regular Bigfoot? And for a long time I thought, you know, probably they are, Maybe they're a subspecies or something. And uh, at, at this point, I'm leaning toward, uh, I'm not even sure if they are a subspecies. They seem to be, but they have a whole bunch of different things about them that are peculiar to the ones that live in Florida and other parts of the Deep South. Uh, interesting, the people that I know in uh, Louisiana, which is right next door, you'd think they'd be the same thing there. Hardly ever report a skunk ape there. It's just a regular Sasquatch-looking Bigfoot there. So anyway, here we go. Uh, Ramona Clark and other researchers from the Sunshine State gathered reports from the 50s to the 70s that described unknown anthropoids, not hominids. Even Sports Illustrated magazine in 71 did an article on the latest skunk ape reports from Florida. That article quite straightforwardly noted that these animals were more chimp-like than Bigfoot-like. The very famous Mayaka skunk ape photos are only the most recent of a long history of skunk ape and related mystery anthropoid reports. There are files and letters from people who lived uh, along the east central coast of Florida who told Lauren of their encounters with ape-like animals, especially during the 1963 and 68 period. These are mostly from the Hullapah Brooksville area, and they discuss algae-covered unknown apes seen on the extensive wild areas of the huge Mormon ranch. And this is common in Florida. These things have long hair and they camouflage really well because they wade around in the swamps and they get all this algae in their hair. So they're <laughs> kind of greenish. Uh, the classic skunk ape, as opposed to the apparently hoax South Florida images, uh, 
is much different animal from the Sasquatch of the United States and Canadian Northwest. Florida's largely subtropical location is only the most obvious reason why the mystery apes of the South should be radically different from the traditional Bigfoot. They've been seen and tracked throughout the lower Midwestern and Southern swampy woods and bottomlands of oak, cottonwood, and willow. Whereas a classic Bigfoot is upright walking on two legs from six to eight foot tall on average and leaves a giant footprint that looks like an oversized human footprint, complete with five toes. The skunk apes of North America, uh, often not much over five or six feet tall, go down on all fours sometimes and leave behind prints that look like your hand. That is the big toe sticking out to the side. Now, I know Lauren says this, but I've yet to see a picture of it. So let's see pictures, Lauren. The word gorilla has been used to describe the creek bottom sightings of these animals in the last 50 years. In Boone County, Indiana, in 1949, fishermen Charles Jones and George Kaufman were chased from the banks of Sugar Creek by a brown, quote, gorilla, unquote. In 1962, farmer Owen Powell of Trimble County, Kentucky, spotted what he called a gorilla, about six feet tall, black, walking on its hind legs and having front legs or arms hanging down to its knees. In 1968, a boy was snatched and then released in the backyard of his home in Kinlock, Missouri, but what by what he called a gorilla. A screaming aunt and barking dog led the gorilla to eventually drop the boy. At Hamburg, Hamburg, Arkansas, also in 1968, the Arkansas Gazette noted stories of a prowling gorilla. In the 1970s, the reports of Nobby, seen in North Carolina, and some of the folk monsters of Arkansas, the Manimals of the Red River, and the Lake Worth Monster of Texas all describe similar gorilla-like creatures. At least one bottomland resident believes the animal he saw was a chimpanzee. Over a three-year period from 1967 to 1970, Howard Dreesen of Calumet, Oklahoma, left out bananas and oranges for the animal, which he hoped to capture. The reports of these more anthropoid beasts are often buried in Bigfoot files because the term is so widely used today. Sometimes the sightings leave a lasting impression on the local geography. One such place is Allen County, Kentucky, where, according to folklorist Harold Holland, Quote, the name Monkey Cave Hollow apparently was given to one locality about four miles northeast of Scottsville, Kentucky, by the earliest settlers for the simple reason the forested valley was inhabited by a tribe of what the pioneers identified as some sort of monkeys. These creatures foraged in the woods and took refuge in small caves. Holland mentioned that he once talked with an old-timer who, when a boy of seven or eight, saw the carcass of the last, quote, monkey, unquote, he stated that a hunter came by his father's house and displayed the dead beast. He said that he could not recall exactly what it looked like. After all, it had occurred 80 years or so previously. But the creature had hands and feet like a person. He was about the same size as, the, as he was when he was a boy, had no tail, and was covered with brown hair. Other times, the events became part of the local folklore, and as the years move on, the details get cloudy. Take, for example, an incident from Hannibal, Missouri. One day around 1900, mainland residents noticed a mysterious animal moving about on a large wooded island in the Mississippi River near that city. The locals notified the sheriff, who subsequently saw it and thought it might be a hyena, except that it was eating grass. When the sheriffs and others captured it, it turned out to be, quote, the man from Borneo, unquote, who had allegedly escaped from a circus. Said circus was most happy to get him, quote, back, unquote. Fine. But I should point out that the orangutan of Borneo in Sumatra is constitutionally incapable of swimming the Mississippi or any other river, while our primate friends from the bottom land seem to be able to do so without difficulty. 
the unknown species of great apes do apparently swim, and I know this is true of Sasquatch too. <clears throat> they range up and down the Mississippi River waterways as well as the gallery forests bordering the river systems. A high percentage of sightings of these creatures take place along the creek bottoms of rural America in such places as Sugar Creek, Indiana, Walnut Creek, Alabama, and the Anclote River in Florida. The popular film, The Legend of Boggy Creek, really a docudrama, mostly factual in details, about Folk Arkansas's ape-like monster, notes several times that, quote, he always travels the creeks, unquote. And, of course, I just had the guy that played the Folk Monster on my show here recently. The Sightings of Swimming Apes by Charles Buchanan, Buchanan reinforces the point. On November 7, 1969, Buchanan was camping out on the shores of Lake Worth, Texas, when he awoke at 2 a.m. to find a hairy creature that looked, quote, like a cross between a human being and a gorilla or an ape, unquote, towering above him. Buchanan had been sleeping in the bed of his pickup truck when the thing suddenly jerked him to the ground, sleeping bag and all. Gagging from the stench of the beast, the camper did the only thing he could think of. He grabbed a bag of leftover chicken and shoved it into the beast's face. The beast took the sack in its mouth, made some happy guttural sounds, then loped off through the trees, first splashing in the water and swimming with powerful strokes toward the Greer Island. Well, and there is the cryptid report for tonight. At least you made it happy. Yeah. So always have a bag of leftover chicken handy if you're going to sleep in the back of your truck so a Bigfoot mugs you, you can shove it in his face oh and he'll leave gosh. you alone. So basically... <laughs> can you imagine waking up like that? Oh, my God. Oh. Hey, is that KFC? <laughs> that's not... Fast thinking, though. That's not... Oh, this thing might be hungry. I better shove the only food I got in his face and see if that makes him go away. <laughs> Probably looking for... Something. I don't even know what to put on there, man. I mean, did it have 11 herbs and spices? I mean, let's be honest. I I wonder if the guy was sleeping on the bag of chicken and he yanked him out of the thing just to get at the bag of chicken. Probably what it was. My goodness. My goodness. Yeah, that one really tickled me and I read it. I figured you guys would all enjoy that, too. That's a little bit different story right there. It reminds me of a friend of mine telling me a story out here in British Columbia. His brother was working on the power lines, and he felt a, a bump in the back of his truck. So he looks in the in the rearview mirror. All he sees is this big black thing, okay? Like, he thinks it's a big black bear or something. And so he turns back, you know, he's got his driver's side window open, and all of a sudden this hand comes through the window. Oh, God. Grabs his sandwich walks down the gravel road, picking out on this guy's ham sandwich. (laughs) We're going to return on Spaced Out Radio with Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. Dirty filth still painting the way. And Shirky Poo's got the news coming up a little bit later. The final half hour of Spaced Out Radio is next. Have that bag of chicken handy when you're sleeping hey, in your Dave, pickup. If you've you got that kind of cartoon, I need to know about that kind of stuff. That's a gold mine cartoon action. <laughs> Throw me in there, buddy. It's the HBO special. Help a brother out. <laughs> anyway, I'll be back. i got to feed the cats. They're starving. What are you drawing now, Filth? Um, uh, top secret. It's um, Real top secret. Look at it. 
It's like it's so top secret. I'm just gonna leave it right there. Yeah. It's so top secret. He may not even know what it is at this point. Are you uh, alien critter? Dave keeps steak ready to throw at Sasquatch so he can escape. Are you kidding me? Sasquatch is not eating my steak. I will brawl Sasquatch for that steak. He can have the chicken. I'm taking the steak. Hey, Nicole. Look at that. It's the gorgeous and talented Nicole Sackage and the lovely Rose Demeray. There she is. Oh, super. Nicole Nicole has the most effervescent smile on the internet. You should see it up close and personal. That's a real smile, too. Probably blinding. It is. It is. You know, it matches her Sasquatch legs, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Yeah. I'm sad to say, but in a recent conversation with Nicole, she recently told us that uh, she's already broken her her quota for buying razors for her legs this year. You know, I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> it's like trying to pierce the Hulk's hide with a, a, a BB gun. It's not going to work. Just keep breaking blades. Well... Well, I mean, fortunately for Nicole, she does have a contract with Lawn Boy, you know. Uh, How quickly it turns from praise to ridicule for Nicole. (laughs) I know she is sitting. This is exactly what she's doing. She's wearing one of her SOR t-shirts right now. I'm going to guess that it's probably still ta- uh, UFOs and Tacos shirt. And and she's lying in her bed, wide awake, watching us on her television while she is texting on her phone. <laughs> and somewhere around her is a lit cigarette. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> See, I already gave up shaving after Florida. Done. She's done for the year. I want to see how accurate I am. Well, she says it's Tuesday. Hold on. Oh, and a jar of peanut butter. I got it all right, and I just missed out of the jar of peanut butter. The jar of peanut butter. Damn it, so close. <laughs> Virtually remote viewing. Which means that pretty soon, this is how well I know Nicole. The minute she mentions peanut butter, you know it's almost bedtime for her. Mm-hmm. We got this stuff figured out. Oh, natural peanut butter. There's an idea for Dirty Filth in one of his art pieces. Drawing a big big jar of peanut butter with Nicole's <laughs> face on it. See, look Nicole at this. Nicole says your remote viewing powers are getting stronger, Dave. Oh, yeah. 
I know exactly what she's doing. You know what? That's not remote viewing. That's just knowledge of the of the four hundred <laughs> conversations we've had at night over the last couple of years. <laughs> look at look at human Carl. <laughs> I, I get kisses, Captain, because I'm nice to her. <laughs> oh good uh, lord good old human carl we love him around here all right we got uh 30 seconds duke most of this show or others check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old Davey the favor hit that subscribe button our website is spacedoutradio.com we have a plethora of features for you rock out to bumblefoot read shirky poos newswire check out our swag as well follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at spaced out radio show and on tiktok at Spaced Out Radio, we continue on with the cryptid report tonight. Super Duke Sullivan from World Bigfoot Radio is here. How you doing, Duke? I'm doing good, guys. Excellent. Excellent. You know, Duke, there's a lot of people, man, and talking to Lon Strickler just the other night, that are having some incredible experiences in the forest right now. And I think it's because people are starting to open up their eyes and pay attention to the sounds, getting a little bit more familiar with nature as to what's going on. What, what do you think's going on with all these latest sightings? I don't entirely know what to make of it, but I'll tell you one thing. I you know, have quite a few friends that are field researchers that are out there all the time, and they're all reporting huge uptick. Every day, big decisions are made without full information. Overloaded by data, compounded by complexity, better decisions are made without the noise, with clarity and confidence. Aon is in the business of better decisions. It's another hurricane season. And right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out of pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. And the, and the amount of sightings that they're having too. 
uh, in the areas that they're used to having some activity, it's suddenly like you know, tripled or quadrupled. There's just a ton of activity going on right now, so it's not just uh, people's perceptions, although that is some of it, too. Um, you know, we've been trying to educate the public on if, if you're going to see one in the woods, how to look for it. What are you liable to see? All that kind of stuff. Show them pictures. Give them examples. Here's what one looks like when it's partially cloaked. Here's another example of that, et cetera, et cetera. And enough people have been watching it for long enough now that they're starting to get pretty sharp-eyed. My um, uh, presentation that I did in the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference, which I just showed the video version of this weekend, we already had a viewer that said, hey, I had to look at this like three times, but a timestamp, blah, blah, blah. There's a white one in the background that shifts position while well, you've got him on video. And I went, okay. And I went and looked at it, and sure enough, he's right. And the camera, he's right on the camera the whole time. You can't see him until he moves, which just tells you how ridiculously good they are at hiding. But it's also, like, really awesome that people are paying that much attention that they're starting to catch those tiny details. And that means when they're out in the woods, they're going to be doing the same thing. They're going to be looking for those tiny details. And more and more people are going to be able to actually you know, spot them, hopefully, maybe get pictures of them and whatnot. And the thing that I think that we're never really going to get the government to uh, concede that they're real and admit it, uh, not this government anyway. And some other countries are a lot closer to it. But one of the ways that we can uh, further the process is by having what uh, Dr. Bendernagel suggested was the way to go, and I agree with him 100%. Uh, let's have tons of citizen scientists out there collecting evidence and when you've got hundreds of citizen scientists out there collecting pretty good evidence it's going to be impossible to deny it anymore because then you won't be able to go well where's the pictures here there's thousands of them where's the audio recordings here there's thousands of them where's the tracks there's tens of thousands of them where's the physical evidence we already got it dna has already been sequenced we already got the genome what else do you want there it's real deal with it if someone out there, and let's talk about the amateurs out there, much like myself, who really don't know what the hell we're looking for, but we know we're out there, and let's say we hear something or see something that we shouldn't, and we're camping or whatever, what should we do? What should be our reaction? Uh, well, you should think it's really cool that there's probably something unusual going on, first of all. The last thing you want to do is panic or be afraid. Because anything that's out there, if it's a Bigfoot or something like that, they're watching for a reaction. And they're, you know, they want to see what you're going to do in a given set of circumstances. This has a lot to do with habituation with them, too. I mean, you might go to an area and have something happen the first time you go there. And you might go to an area where you know there's sightings and there's been signs of them and stuff and be going there for four years before something happens to you know that tells you that they're actually around there. It totally depends on them, but it has a lot to do with your attitude, too. And Robin and Christy and a bunch of other people I know will tell you the same thing. Having a positive attitude, being there to have fun, not being scared. You know, if things get a little bit tense, you got to kind of read the atmosphere and go, okay, is there something after me here? You know, is there some uh, potentially some big problem about to happen? And you should be able to tell, you know, if there's... Uh, are you being watched by something? Are you hearing weird vocalizations? Uh, what's going on? You know, you've got to kind of re read the situation. And if you're getting that gut instinct that you're being threatened, that you're in trouble, then, yeah, you know, calmly pack up and leave. Running away is never a good idea. It triggers a, 
uh, chase uh, predatory response from just about anything. Um, on the other hand, now sometimes these guys, if they get a read on somebody and they don't like them, they'll try and chase them off. You know, and it's not necessarily they're going to do any damage to you. They just don't like you. Go away. And they do think it's funny when humans scream and shout and run in circles with their arms out <laughs> and then jump in their truck and peel out. That's highly entertaining to them. So if they don't like you and they want you to go away, they might try and scare the hell out of you just because it's going to entertain them to do it. Plus, it helps you go away faster. A lot of times when people have a negative encounter with them, it's not even really a negative encounter. Okay, they step. They stepped out. I saw this Bigfoot. He stepped out in the open when I was at camp. And we stepped out in the open. I saw him. And, well, it scared me. Yeah. (laughs) Did he do anything aggressive? Well, not really. Okay. Well, why why are you so scared? See, it's like they want this, you know, um, the people want to interact with this phenomenon. They want to get close to it and see what it is. But then when they start getting close to it and seeing what it is, it terrifies the hell out of them. And I totally understand that. Every time I find a, a, a piece of video that we shot where somebody goes, hey, there's one right here. And then you go and look at the time timestamp and go, yeah, they're right. There's one right there. How did we miss it? And that's a very creepy feeling. Maybe it was only 30 feet away from you. That thing could have just take two steps, grabbed you and twisted your head off at any time it wanted to. Which should tell you something about what their personality is like. They've had hundreds of opportunities to kill me if they wanted to. They've never killed me. Sometimes I've gone into areas that I probably shouldn't have been into. They were very patient with me being stupid and let me walk back out alive again. Although they sure photobombed me enough to give me the idea afterwards that, uh, you know, maybe this isn't the best place to go. And, yeah, I can take a hint. But uh, the, the main thing is just to stay calm until you actually register with your gut instinct that you are in danger don't take things necessarily as some kind of a threatening display or some kind of hostile behavior you got to really just like de-escalate your gut from your brain and go okay gut shut up for a second brain what are you telling me about this and then you switch it around and you go okay brain shut up gut what are you telling me and you make your decision based on both of them that is great advice Great advice right there. Now, I understand that, but a lot of these encounters, Duke, happen when no one's expecting it. You know, where all of a sudden, you know, the, they're camping in a tent and and it feels like the tent pegs are being plucked up, you know, or they're in a trailer and the trailer starts rocking, you know, and, and it ain't mom and dad in there, you know, having some fun at the front end. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the, yeah. you know, or or uh, food that goes missing, or or whatever it may be. I mean, if all of a sudden you find these giant footprints in your campground or or whatever, do you have to leave? Because most people will say, you know what, we got to get out of here. Yeah, I would say no. I mean, just because they're walking around there doesn't mean anything. In the area that we usually do our research in, we've had them come into camp at night a bunch of times, but they're so stealthy and the ground so hard, they usually don't leave a a print. And the one time they did leave prints, we had gone down the pass and come back about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's one of them had left a a print right in front of Mike's tent. I mean, like literally two inches from the little flap in front of the tent. There's this perfect track. And we're like, okay, guys are getting a little brazen showing up here mid-afternoon. 
I mean, our, our camp is right next to a road. You know, our car can go by there while you're here at camp. Uh, you know, I hope you can run really fast. But uh, no, I, I mean, that I wouldn't take that to be a sign to go away. If they're being openly aggressive with you, then it's a sign to go away. And, you know, sometimes maybe I, I just can't take a hint. When you're camping up in Coloma, I broke a piece of wood on a, a tree to throw in the campfire. And it took two swings to break it. And it sounded a lot like a wood knock. And I thought about that afterwards and went, well, that was pretty dumb. And then I went and crawled my tent. And sure enough, 45 minutes later, there was something there furiously shaking my tent. And I sat up and the tent is going like hitting me on opposite sides of my head. (laughs) Uh, So he was unhappy about that. But again, it was like, you know, once uh, my friend who was in the SUV over about 40 feet away, got a hint of what was going on and turned on the alarm and the lights. He took off and, again, only heard about four steps as he was running away. He was about 80 feet away in four steps. And as he went past the SUV on step number two, he slapped the SUV and scared the hell out of my friend that was in there with her dog and two pistols. But that was it for the night after that. He just left. It was like, you know, hey, what you call me over here for, stupid? (laughs) Don't be breaking limbs on a tree trunk. Uh, oh, you know, and we've had him do other things too. Another good example is when I was in camp with Scotty up in, uh, in the Sapphire mountains. And all of a sudden I wake up cause something just booted my air mattress. My air mattress is about the same size as the bottom of the tent. So something walked over to the tent, booted my air mattress, the bottom of the tent and me and the air mattress skidded about four inches. That woke me up. Okay. That's aggressive, right? No. <laughs> First of all, I didn't know who was doing it. I only had one person with me. He was in another tent about 50 feet away, and shortly after I woke up, I heard him go, hey, knock it off. Leave me alone. So there's somebody else in camp. So I unzip the zipper, and I get out. The campfire's died down. I throw some wood on it. He can't go on again. Scott, what's going on? And he goes, I've been awake for about 20 minutes now. I heard something, and I started to wake up, and then I felt the ground shake, and I thought there was an earthquake going on. I went, really? And he goes, and then the ground shook again. And I realized it wasn't an earthquake. It was something incredibly heavy was standing next to my tent. And I went, whoa. And he goes, yeah. And then I heard a second one come walking further away from where your vehicle is toward my tent. And they both went, and talked to each other, I guess. And then one of them walked over to your tent. And I heard him kick something. And then I heard you yell. (laughs) And then he came walking back over here. And I heard this sound right next to the outside of the tent, right next to the fabric, right next to where my head was. And I said, what was that? And he goes, it was this sound. And it took me about a a minute to realize it wasn't an animal sound, but I recognized it. It took me about another 30 seconds to realize it was an empty plastic water bottle that I had left in front of my tent that he was squeezing over and over again, right next to my head, right next to the fabric. And so I just started laughing, and he goes, well, I I guess that is kind of funny, huh? And, uh, you know, so initially you think it's a negative, aggressive thing. He just booted my air mattress. No, he thought it was going to be hilarious. He wanted to make sure I was awake to hear the general hilarity. (laughs) And he was right. It was hilarious. So you got to be careful about how you interpret their their behavior, they have a wicked sense of humor. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're really being aggressive to you. Uh, Super Duke, this is why we love you, my friend. 
This is why we love you. This is why we pay you the big bucks to come on here and share <laughs> stories like that with us. Oh, and, and you know what? All of us now are going to get that image of crunching one of those water bottles, those really flimsy <laughs> water bottles, and that irritating sound it makes. Oh, my goodness. Well, apparently he took it with him, too, because we knew exactly how many empties he had sitting out in front of his tent. And when he got up, it wasn't there. The one that he was squeezing next to him, he took it with him, apparently. <laughs> Memento of the prank I played on the humans. Oh, Super Duke, tell everybody where they can find World Bigfoot Radio, please. Oh, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey, and Bright Eon. You can find World Bigfoot Radio and Montana Bigfoot Project on Facebook. And my main group is uh, World Bigfoot Central on MeWe. And if you didn't see it on Sunday, I encourage you to go check out the show I did on Sunday. You will see a couple dozen Sasquatch and some of the largest tree structures ever filmed. That's why we love you, Super Duke. We'll talk to you in a couple nights' time. Take care, everybody. Love you guys. That's Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. And we say goodnight to Big SD. And we say hello to Shirky Poo. SP. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's news. Oh, yeah. Shirky Poo did us all rattled up for tonight. So apparently Catholic priests are now complaining that there are just way too many possessed people in the world. Exorcists gathered in Italy and said they're all overwhelmed, with some saying they are seeing dozens of troubling cases every day. Speaking to researchers at Regina Apostolorum's 16th annual exorcism course in Rome, the burnt-out priests say they need help. The course attracted 120 participants, who have been spurred on by Pope Francis, a keen supporter of the practice of the fight against evil spirits, exorcists at the conference, which attempted to offer support, say they were in need of psychologists to help them determine who was actually possessed and who needed clinical support. And some shared their own experience of dealing with the increased requirement for spiritual intervention. Father Giuseppe Bernardi told researchers that he had conducted a nine-hour exorcism on a woman who had screamed abuse in Latin and assaulted monks. The woman's dad thought she had been suffering from a psychiatric problem, while her mother took the view that she had been, in fact, taken over by a demonic influence. And while Father Bernardi revealed that he sought help of a psychologist to evaluate the woman, he said there was no support from the church to do so. Attendees at the conference claimed there were several ways to determine whether a case really required an exorcism. According to the participants, unusual physical strength, the ability to speak Latin, Aramaic, or Hebrew, and vomiting were clear signs of demonic possession. Other exorcists said they had also struggled to help from the clergy of, over the course of the pandemic and were forced to conduct exorcisms on people who had tested positive for COVID. Okay, moving on. Here's an interesting one out of Africa. A sheep was arrested and sentenced to three years in jail for killing a woman in South Sudan. 
The sheep was booked in South Sudan earlier in May after the attack, which later led to the woman's death. The ram attacked her by hitting her ribs, and the old woman died immediately, said Police Chief Major Elijah Mabor. Our role as police is to provide safety and separate fights. The ram was apprehended and currently under custody at a police station. The animal was caught and jailed and later found guilty of murder and sentenced to three years in a military camp. You can't make this up. Though Mabor said the owner was innocent because the ram is the one who perpetrated the crime, so it deserves to be arrested, the owner was ordered by the local court to pay the victim's family five cows as compensation. Moving on. Uh, Walmart had to apologize after a backlash over an ice cream flavor intended to celebrate Juneteenth. Walmart wanted to roll out the flavor, a swirled red velvet and cheesecake sold under its Great Value brand to celebrate the June 20th holiday in the U.S., but reaction was not pretty. The packaging showed an image of two black hands with a pan-African colors of yellow, green, and red, and black as the background and had the message, Share and Celebrate African American Culture, Emancipation, and Enduring Hope. Walmart swiftly removed the ice cream from its shelves and issued a statement from Fox. We received feedback that a few items caused concern for some of our customers, and we sincerely apologize. We are reviewing our assortment and will remove items as appropriate. Juneteenth marks the official end of slavery for black Americans at the end of the Civil War on June 19, 1865. One ubiqui- once ubiquitous, the humble payphone is now a thing of the past in New York City. Think about this for a second, people. No more payphones in New York City. The city's last remaining payphone was removed last week by Link NYC. It was located on 7th Avenue. Cell phones, of course, have made payphones mostly a relic around the world, and New York City started removing payphones back in 2015. All right, you know, it hurts going in, and this is going to hurt going out. California man set a new Guinness World Record by downing three Carolina Reaper chili peppers in 8.72 seconds. Gregory Foster took on the record for the fastest time at the Seaport Shopping Center in downtown San Diego, eating six of the super hot peppers when his first attempt was disqualified. Foster's second attempt ended at 8.72 seconds, successfully taking the record from Canadian pepper fan Mike Jack, who had done it in 9.72 seconds. All right, that's hot. Oh, 1.6 million Scoville units. Oh, finally, hey, in the Icelandic Phallological Museum, if you want to tour there, you can now see a plaster cast of Jimi Hendrix's penis. The plaster cast is set to be unveiled at the museum in Reykjavik during a closed event next month. The cast was created and donated by the late Cynthia Albritton, who had a nickname for the plaster cast for obvious reasons it was called louder sound 
Yeah. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brothers watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Let's make your summer road trip the best one yet by making the trip before the trip to Midas. Get road trip ready with a conventional oil change and tire rotation starting at $29.99. Request your appointment today at Midas.com. This summer, get road trip ready with the brake experts at Midas. With up to $100 back on two-axle brake service when you use your Midas credit card. So you can make sure every stop on your road trip is one you want to make. Request your appointment today at Midas.com.